The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. We're up, Ryan. We're up. We're here, man. What's going on, brother? Good to see you. It's happening. It is. It yeah. is indeed. Cheers, sir. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All that good stuff. Yay. You know what people? Ah. You know what people started doing that? Why? I don't know. Because during Prohibition, to to. It was a way to try to tell if you had bullshit alcohol because if you banged it and it bubbled, then you knew it wasn't. It oh, wasn't, really? Yeah, because people would sell bullshit alcohol. Isn't that funny? Because that's exactly what's going on with the fentanyl overdoses. The reason why fentanyl is like rampant through this country is because people are getting this shit from Mexico because heroin's oh. illegal. So they're getting it from Mexico. They're getting the coke from Mexico, and it's laced fentanyl, and all that stuff is is laced. And all that's the reason why they do it. They cut it to make it stronger, so that they can have less cocaine because fentanyl's cheap. And that's why all these people are dying. Oh, so they can transport more. Yes. Uh, do you know the number one cause of death between people eighteen to forty nine right now is fentanyl? That's crazy. A hundred thousand people died last year from fentanyl. Damn. That's a real epidemic. That is a real That's epidemic. That's crazy. Yes, it's crazy. Way more than died from COVID with the same age class. Yeah, I um, we, we recently had a bunch of comics pass cause from, from fentanyl. Yeah, that right. whole thing with Quigley and those oh, right, three dudes right. she was hanging with. Um, and then I remember seeing, you know, so I'm checking on my people that I know, you know, do a little bit of the powder. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, you, and, and a lot of people are like, oh, like, I'm, I've got to leave the shit alone. I got to leave the shit alone. And I was like, why doesn't everybody just test? <laughs> and he yeah. goes, you can test it? I was like, yeah, you can test it. He was like, I can throw up a party tonight. <laughs> you know, it's like, you can just go get the, it's like, man, you haven't learned shit. Dude, if heroin was legal, if cocaine was legal, you'd get it straight from the source. You'd get real cocaine that's not cut at all. It will be probably, I'm, I've never done coke, but the way they describe it, it's like a much better experience. And then you don't have to worry about it. And then you know what you're doing. Yeah, I'm 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 in the legalize everything camp. You know. Yes. I, 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 we talked about it last time I was yeah. here. Like, just legalize it all. Have it come. Have 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 the FDA. Exactly. The, the, the it's scalable, right? It's like what would you do if it was just the three of us? Imagine if it was just the three of us were on an island and Jamie's like uh, marijuana should be illegal, and we were like, what the fuck, Jamie? <laughs> and Jamie wants to lock us up for marijuana. Like, that would be crazy. We'd have to kill Jamie. Right. right? We'd just be like, well, there's two of us. Yeah, we're like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? But that's exactly what it's like with the government. With the government, it's like one person versus three or four, whatever it is. It's like like a small group of people that are deciding that things should be illegal. And then it's a bunch of parents that don't want their children to get addicted. And I understand that. I'm a parent. I don't want my children to get addicted. But that's what is happening. That's what's happening. here's Here's always my pushback on that, right? is all of the horrible things that have happened with drugs have happened during the prohibition era. Yes. So, you know, making it legal isn't going to make it more likely that your kids are going to get addicted. In fact, they know, what, what wasn't it the, um, where, they, where they studied the people coming back from Vietnam? And they were like, yes. the people that did heroin over there would come back, and the ones that had, like, loving, supportive environments and family, they stopped doing heroin. Yes. Yes. So it's like, I think that, you know, but it's hard to say that it's somebody that like lost someone. Right. You know, but. Yeah, I've lost very good friends. One of my best friends in life died of a drug overdose. He died from pills. Uh, I think it, we went, I'm not exactly sure, but I think he was on oxys. And this was uh, in the early 2000s. It's, um, it's an epidemic. I mean, it's, it's terrible. But I feel like you should be able to make your own choices. Look, we're here drinking scotch. If, if, 
I drank this bottle and you drank that bottle, we might both be dead. You know, we right. drank a whole bottle of this stuff. Let's I mean, go to the hospital. You're going to get fucked up. If we drank all the liquor on that table, we just decided in an hour to drink all the liquor on that table, we'd be dead. 100%. But we're not going to do that. Right. Yeah. We're adults. And I think the same would be the case if people had access to real cocaine and real heroin. I'm not saying you should do cocaine and heroin. Look, I'm a fucking exercise fiend. I'm not thinking they should just go and do drugs all the time. You shouldn't. But you're an adult. You should be able to make up your yeah. own choices. And no one, no other adult should be able to tell you what you can and can't do. All the things that you do that are illegal that people blame drugs on, like driving under the influence or like going crazy and murdering people. All We have laws already for those things. Right. You already can't do those things. Yep. The drug is not the problem. The problem is, have you ever heard Gabor Mate talk about uh, drugs and and, and addiction? No, I don't know He's a very is. interesting guy. He's uh, an expert on drugs and addiction and and uh, and the, the, all the the real fallacies. What's and his name? Gabor Mate? Gabor Mate, M-A-T-E. Um, but he say it all comes from trauma. I mean, all these people that are like severely addicted, all those people that you see that are homeless and they're just shooting up and smoking crack, those people are all sexually abused, physically abused, beaten. They've come from traumatic backgrounds. Yeah. That's the problem. The problem is not yeah. the drugs. But they lost everything. It's the, yeah, it's, yes. the, it's the environment. Yes. I remember, remember, the old, remember the Cat Williams joke where he's like, uh, he's like, aspirin is perfectly legal. You take 15 in the motherfuckers, that'll be your last headache. <laughs> That's true. You know? That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Th it, it, we, but nobody wants to really address the environment thing because that's a bigger, that's not a simple yeah. fix. Bro, eat a pound of salt. You're dead as fuck. Take one pound of salt. Eat it. You're dead. Yeah, I think if you eat a pound of anything, you're pretty much gone, right? You, well, not, no. You probably get away with a pound of sugar. Unless you're a professional... There's a lot of people out there eat a pound of sugar a day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, for, for the longest time of my life, I never thought about it. Like when you go to a restaurant over there and go, this is a quarter pound of beef. Or this is, you know, this is a half pound burger. And it's like, I never really put that together. Like, oh, I'm putting, I'm putting a half, I'm putting a half a pound of meat in my stomach. Yeah. That's not good for you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter how it's cooked. Bro, people have been eating meat since the dawn of time. There's nothing wrong with meat. What's mm. wrong with people's diets is all the shit they eat with meat. That's why those uh. epidemiology studies are so flawed. Because those those studies are never done. They say like, what you know, an epidemiology study is like they 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 quiz a bunch of people. They give them uh, a, a form to fill out, and they say, how many times a week do you eat meat? And then they look for instances of cancer, instances of uh, heart attacks, high blood pressure, and then they make a correlation. The problem with that is they're not asking, what are you doing with the meat? Are you eating cheeseburgers on a sugary <laughs> bun with a bunch of fries dipped in fat? Are you drinking it with a, a, a large Coca-Cola that's all <laughs> sugar? Like, right. what, what is your diet like? Are you smoking cigarettes? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And then you'd get a better baseline. If you so said to a person, what are you eating? And they say, well, I eat a 16-ounce grass-fed ribeye, and then I'll have some steamed broccoli or some sautéed spinach. Look at those fucking people. They're healthy as shit. Uh, if you're exercising and your body's not overweight and you're taking care of yourself, there's nothing wrong with meat. I, I don't do any of those things. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no, I got to start. I, got, I, told, I was telling her, I was like, I need to spend like a month at David Goggins' house. You don't want to do that. No. Yeah, he might fucking kill me. You don't want to do that. <laughs>
Get up, son. This <laughs> tomorrow. Have you ever have you ever kicked it with like chill with that dude? In his, oh yeah, in his environment. Well, I never worked out with him, but I've hung out with him multiple. I just hung out with him a couple of days ago in Vegas. Oh okay, yeah. yeah. yeah I saw he was on. He was on the other day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. I did go to Vegas, Jamie, but I only went for a an, about four hours. This is what happened. Went to Andrew Schultz's wedding. And then oh, wow. Whitney Cummings said, I got to leave at 645. I'm going to do a set in Vegas, and then I'm going to fly back tonight at 10 o'clock. And I go, really? And so uh, it was me, Lex Friedman, my wife, and Whitney. And we said, fuck it, let's go. So we went, and uh, Whitney did a uh, private party at this lady's house with Dana Carvey. Yeah, some rich lady. And uh, so we do this, we do the gig, and then uh, we go back. She had, she had, they had gotten her a private jet. We go back and the private jet was broken. No pilot, no one to get back. So we wound up taking a fucking car. We had to get a car service to drive us back. To LA. Yeah, from Vegas to LA. We got back at 5.30 in the morning. But in the meantime, we hung out at the, uh, we hung out at the, the um, what's it, the, the Wynn for a little bit and uh, hung out with David. I'm surprised David Goggs was like, let's run back. <laughs> he was doing push-up <laughs> contests with Lex. I got a video of them doing push-ups in the floor of uh, the Mirage or of uh, the Wynn. Was it close? No. Of course not. No. Well, Lex was drunk. David moved so fast when he was doing push-ups. I saw that. Did you that. see that yeah, video? Yeah, he just yeah. does them so fast. Bro, he does push-ups all day. There's not. There's no more disciplined human that's ever walked the face of the earth. It's it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. I wish I could tell you about his knee injury, but he asked me not to, to explain exactly what they had done. But you find out like how fucked up his knee was, and now he's running thousands of miles on that knee. You're like, what the hell? Yeah, I had, I had a one-off. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> Lex. By the way, was thirty hours of uh, no food and just just drinking. Why was he? Why was he not eating? I don't know. He's out oh, that of guy's not even doing them correctly. Who was that? That guy's some just dude who just showed up. Look, there was a whole bunch of people in the lobby just filming these guys doing push-ups. But look at Goggins. He could do that all day, all day. He'll do thousands of push-ups. Yeah, he's. Yeah. You don't want to work out. You don't want to go to his house and work out. That's. He'll wake you up at four o'clock in the morning. Who's gonna carry the boats? You'd be like, what? What are boats? What are you talking about? <laughs> We're in Nevada. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's an interesting dude. Like I'm 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 following him on Instagram every morning. He's like, you're a pussy. Don't be a pussy today. Yeah. Stay hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's. You know, that's what he did to himself. The beautiful thing about that guy is that he was 300 pounds, he was overweight, he was drinking milkshakes, and couldn't even run around the block, and then decided to turn himself into what we see today. Yeah, I had a warrant officer like him when I was in the yeah? service. Yeah, man. He was like older than all of us and just smoking us every ten Like, you couldn't give him an excuse, <laughs> you know, because he was better than you at everything and older than you. So it was like you you. It was no, there was no, my, 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 my butt hurts, I got a cramp, so what? You know, because his attitude was like, oh, so you're going to you, you, so fail the mission because you got a cramp? Right. You know? Yeah, in the military, that's uh, exactly how they have to look at it. You can't just wait for a day where you feel perfect. Yeah, but but, but see, when you got a leader like that in charge of you, though, when, yeah. they're, when they're not just talking. Right, they're when, doing it. When they're doing it, yeah, you'll run through a wall for that motherfucker. That's the difference between someone who's a leader who is not walking the walk. Oh, yeah. Those people get resented. You fucking hate them. Yep. The moment you, know? you see them be, be a hypocrite. Yeah. It's like, it's over. But that's the key, that's the, the key in, I think, in companies, businesses, and everything. It's like, a person has to lead by example. Like that person, like the people that are putting in the extra hours and the extra work, you want to do work for them. But when they want to go home 
and they they tell you, you know, you got to stay till two o'clock in the morning to get this project done. And you're like, hey man, fuck you. You're gonna go home and you're gonna leave me here. You get paid more money than me. This is your company. Oh, yeah. and it benefits you that I do this work, and and you're leaving. I was just reading about um the the Peter principle. Have you heard of this? No. Where it's like the the people at companies that do the best work get stuck with more work. And so the the people hmm. the people that are left get promoted. <laughs> and so you so you you end up with like this diluted oh. middle management that's it's like that's why pe- people are miserable at their jobs just because your boss is almost always going to be someone that isn't better than you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also so it's probably super hard to find a company to work for where everybody's friendly. And everybody's just having a good time and enjoying life. I interviewed this guy the other day that uh, that he so so I, I was doing this thing for for Netflix. Their their uh, it's called My Favorite Thing. So they 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 let you take over the thing, and then they find you people. So my favorite thing was gaming, right? And they they found me. I did it with Eric Griffin and all this. And but then, oh no! Then they, but then they went and found <laughs> me two um, like professors of gaming. So one of them, one of them, I fucking can't remember her name right now, but but but, but the guy, he was the professor of, um, he was a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and he he specialized in like the the mentality of gamers online, and his whole thing is that is how workplaces should be set up more like like games, like the way they develop games, the way they market them towards the people the, mm. the reward pattern and all of that should be oh, to see. avoid the peter principle right so it's like and and, and the, the lady she was a professor of like informatics that focused on gamers and her whole family games she games with her kids she games with her husband and she and we were just talking about how like it, it changes the bond like it, it may it, it's a bonding thing with your kids it's mm. it's a trust building thing with your Husband, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. So you have like team effort to go accomplish missions and shit. Yeah, like they were fucking playing Diablo on Nightmare. Their family. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you get one life. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That's hard. Yeah, I can't, That's hardcore. Go, I can't trust my mom to heal me. Ah, you know? Yeah, oh man. I can't fuck with games. I'm too addicted. I'm, I have uh, too much of an addictive personality. I oh, would. Yeah. I would try to do. I would just try to play it all day. Well, yeah, man, I don't have a family, so it's it. <laughs> I can get sucked in, man. I mean, especially since you know you now they now games are like they're shameless. Games are hundred bucks, hundred twenty yeah. bucks, and it's like you're like I'm gonna put my time in this motherfucker, right? And yeah. do you play um, the game by itself, or do you only play online? It depends on what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's um. If it's like a competitive shooter or something like that, I play that online. The problem with those things is there's so many people that are doing them all day long, and you get sucked into that, and then you want to compete at the level that they're at, and the only way you can do that is if you play all day long. It's impossible. <laughs> it's, this is this is another thing. I was um I was telling fucking Santino this, but I remember being at the comedy store, and I was in the back watching the Overwatch playoffs on my on my phone. And and then com- you know comics catch you doing something nerdy they start giving you shit like they haven't been nerds their whole life and people are giving me shit about it. like what are you doing I'm like this is the playoffs they're like what <laughs> it, 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 it's it's like they they look down on it because you know how how amazed you are by something is about how far away you see yourself from being able to do it. What's interesting too is if you were watching like the World Chess Championship, they'd be like, "Oh, Brian's smart as fuck." Oh, right. Well, I watched that too. Right, but you know what I mean. Like, there's games that are acceptable. Right, but not that. Not- yeah, you could even watch like tennis, right? 
tennis, anything, yeah. anything that people don't think they could do. Right? right, but but people see you. People see people playing a game and go, "Well, I play games." But it's like, no, that this motherfucker is so much better than you. At, he is as he is as much better than you at games as Michael Jordan is better than you at basketball. Yeah, yeah, and you, and you it's hard for you to accept because he's thirteen years old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you can't right. wrap your head around the fact that he'll whoop your ass at every game you own. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, these kids ain't they, like the the high level. Because a lot of times the, the kids, the people that are winning these tournaments and stuff, they're good at everything. They, they'll they'll win a tournament in another game too, or they'll get yeah. they get recruited, they get bought from other people from other teams. It's it's serious business. They make millions of dollars. There's real money in it now. But kids, you were told that playing video games was a waste of time. That mentality still stuck in our head. Right. You cost me millions, Grandma. Ah, but it's still for a lot of people. It is a waste of time. Yeah, because you're never gonna. Because even still, it's it's even it's it's just like athletes. It's like the top one percent, the top less than that one percent of people make, go pro and like actually make a living from. But isn't that argument? Couldn't you make that same argument about comics? Like you you just had uh, you have a new Netflix special that's out right now. Yep, out and, right now. And um, uh, how many fucking comics? Start out and never have a Netflix special. From open mic to Netflix special, ninety nine point nine percent. Oh yeah, for sure. Same and, thing. And right? It's, you're right. You're right. And so I, I think it, it, it rolls back to, it's two things. It's, it's accurate self assessment, which a lot of people lack the ability to do that, and then it's also having people around you that love you enough to be like, this ain't it for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, because, because yeah. it's like, because it's like your. Your your friends will like 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 say your breath smells like shit at the party. Right. Your friends we'll that love you, you will They'll be like, you. "Hey man, you know, yeah, eat this man. Your breath smells like shit." But the, but people that are just acquaintances or whatever, they'll just wait till you walk away and go, <laughs> "Joe's breath smells like shit." Did you smell that? You know what I'm saying? Yes. yes. And so it's like if somebody around you got to love you enough to be like, "Bro, you got to stop this." But some people, if they keep going, they will make it. Like it's so hard. It's. Especially in the early days of comedy, man, it's hard to tell. Yeah, it's because I've been wrong. I've been wrong. I've been wrong too. I've been yeah. like, oh, that, I was like, he doesn't got it, man. I'm right. sorry, and I feel bad for some people too. It, and and it's delusional because here's the other thing too. You don't know. You have to believe that you can. Right. But. But you got to know. You got to know, and but you don't know if you're one of those people that's right or one of those people that's delusional. And you it, sometimes the difference between someone who's right and delusional is just effort. It's just willpower, <sighs> effort time sometimes not though sometimes they're just yeah. lacking the gene yeah some people don't got the they don't because 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 the only time i'm i'm 100 certain that somebody isn't going to make it is if they're not funny yeah, they like, have to just, you have to be funny to do, be able to do the work to get but without saying any names there's people that have made a career in comedy that are not funny at all. Mark Norman. For, no, hey, I'm, just, I'm how, just kidding. Mark, <laughs> he said it. <laughs> no. Not me. Mark is also on season three of the stand-ups with no. Uh, me. No, but there are, like, Mark Norman's brilliant, but yeah. there are legitimately, like, non-hilarious people. They just, it's not going to happen. Right. But yet they make a living doing comedy. And you always see them. You're yeah. always trying to get on spots, and they'll ask you to be on your podcast. And you're like, Yikes. Because well, see, that's the thing. I don't know if I, if I mentioned this last time, but I but I, I I realized something about the business is that the, you can have talent or a lack of shame or some mix <laughs> some mix of the two. You you got, yeah. if you're because if, if you because those people you're talking about they have no shame. 
They don't care if it's the 50th time they've asked you to be on your podcast. They don't care yeah. if it's at your wedding. Right. They don't care if they saw you run in the bathroom and you're taking a shit right. and they knock on the stall and go, hey, Joe, just wanted to bother you real quick. Oh. They don't They don't feel bad at all because they know and they've learned from experience that eventually they'll wear you down to where you give it to them just so they'll leave you the fuck alone. Yeah. You know, and and if you if you got no shame, you good. There's a lot of people like that too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of no shame people. But there's a lot of people that just it seems like their version of reality is different than what you and I see. It's like they they think they're doing well when they're not. Like they'll go on stage and they think they're they're getting laughs, but they're not. Like they'll get a little yeah. sympathy laugh here and there and they think it was good. I don't get it. I don't know how that is. It's like somebody being tone deaf. It's crazy people. I don't know, man. You know, it's like like what makes it I mean you know you know the concept of an NPC you know a non-player character there's a lot of people out there that literally are that they're real like yeah. it's a horrible thing to say yeah. that they're inconsequential humans but there are people that for whatever reason they never connect with people then all the friendships they have are very surface level they never have real love they never they really yeah. care about people. They're always just weird fucks. Well, well they're psychopaths. I, I was right. I was just listening to something the other day about how we, you know, there, there's a list that came out maybe five, six years ago, and it was like the top 10 professions that psychopaths go to. And like one of them was like CEO, surgeon, and, and then and people always forget about the other seven. You know, it's like there are psychopaths all around you. There's a bus driver that's that, that he doesn't feel or right. Is that a sociopath or psychopath? Oh, that's, that's what I meant. Sociopath. Are they, they're real similar, though. It's, it's a, the distinction between sociopath and psychopath. What is the distinction? Because someone was explaining it to me once that there's not much difference between a sociopath and a psychopath. Can, can you Maybe a psychopath hand? acts maliciously against people, whereas a sociopath doesn't feel anything. I th I think that they I think that they've slowly started to conflate the two, mm. you know, I, and maybe the, in the in the what the what is that book of that has all the mental health shit in it, the MS, you know what I'm talking about? No, it, but 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 there's a book that had like defines everything. Maybe it's called the DSR. Okay, okay. How sociopaths are different from psychopaths? Both are form of antisocial. Antisocial personality disorder. Sociopaths, the term people use often arbitrarily to describe someone who's apparently without conscious. In most cases, a description blithely tossed about to label a person as being either hateful or hate-worthy. The same applies to the term psychopath, to which many people suggest a sociopath who is simply more dangerous, like a mass murderer. While the characteristics of sociopathy and psychopathy may overlap, sociopathy is an unofficial term for an antisocial personality disorder. Psycho psychopathy is not an official diagnosis since not considered APD, antisocial personality disorder. The term sociopath and psychopath are often used interchangeably. Each has its own clear lines of distinction that can be broadly described. And what, are the, what is the clear lines of distinction? Yeah, that didn't help. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay, the difference. Okay, sociopaths makes it clear uh, they do not care how others feel. Psychopaths pretend to care. Oh. Psychopaths display cold-hearted behavior. Sociopaths behave in hot-headed and impulsive ways. Uh, sociopath prone to fits of anger and rage. Psychopaths fail to recognize other people's distress. Psychopaths have relationships that are shallow and fake. Sociopaths recognize they are doing but rationalize their behavior. Psychopaths maintain a normal life as a cover for criminal activity. 
So psychopath sounds like a serial killer. A sociopath yeah. sounds like a comic. Am I the only? <laughs> am I the only one that was just thinking? I think I fucked a few psychopaths <laughs> for sure. Or cold-hearted behavior. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people that are broken from whatever trauma they experience when they're young. And they carry that into adulthood, but they like mask it with like fake caring and fake empathy and, you know, and they use the right word. There's a lot of sociopaths that are woke because they use yeah. that. They use that to attack people. They use this. The, there's like a, a list of things that they can attack you for and they use that as an excuse to be a horrible person. Oh yeah, that's the that's the new trend. It's like, well, everyone is looking for permission to be their worst self, right? You know, so it's right. like it's like I would normally burn down your house right. with your kids inside, but you know, you voted for you voted for Trump, yeah. So fuck <laughs> you, you. Know I mean? yeah. yeah that, that's it. I face that a lot. Where it's like, uh, I remember back doing all the uh, doing all the social uproar, and and I text and I posted that like people are a lot of people are narcissists disguised as activists, like they're yes they are. It's really about them, and the and the cause is their cover for being a piece of shit. Right. Yes. You know? And then the activism is something that gets them brownie points, gets them social yeah. brownie points. But there's people out there that's really about their life, though. Oh yeah. Yeah, that'll fucking throw hands or shoot something. You yeah. Know? Then, I'm, then I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. There's people that are really good people that are that dedicate their life to charity, and then there's people that are dedicating their life to charity so that other people know that they're a good person. Yeah. It's the same. It's yeah. the same kind of people that used to be like, do it for the children, you yeah. know. But they, it's really their way of being an ad, like controlling what you can watch and what you can right. listen to. Right. You yeah. get, that's a natural inclination to human beings to force people to do things and to make people behave a certain way or speak a certain way or do certain things that they want you to do you see you're seeing that a lot in today's culture with this vaccinated versus unvaccinated argument that there's a lot of people that you know want unvaccinated people to be refused medical care and to be ostracized from society and even though, as time's going on, we're realizing that even vaccinated people are catching COVID and spreading it, particularly with this new version of it, which I keep hearing is a good thing. I keep hearing this Omicron. I've talked to a doctor, and he was explaining that this is essentially like a live vaccine. He goes, this is, it's not good to catch. He goes, but, he goes, it's way better than any strain of COVID we've ever seen before. There's no death so far registered in America except that's in Texas that had a bunch of health conditions and they're not even saying now that it was COVID that killed him. They're, they're saying, he, they're had now saying he, he had it when he died, which is this guy was fucked up. They're not they're not personally. But when they say that publicly, that that's a clear indication that there's something really wrong with this guy. They're not saying what it was, but I'm assuming if it's the only guy that's died in this whole fucking month and a half period. That this shit's been spreading through this country. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that all of that is just a symptom. The problem is people don't trust the government. They don't trust the media because they always fucking lying. Yeah, you shouldn't trust like, the government I, or the media. Because I remember, I don't know if it was the, you know when I was a when I was a kid, but it was but it would be like oh if the president came on TV and said some shit, you believe the shit, right? A hundred percent. But but it's like once we started finding out, oh these motherfuckers lie about everything. Now once, once Clinton started lying about blowjobs, everybody was like, what? <laughs> well that yeah that did. I mean well that started Nixon was the chip. Oh yeah. In the in the well actually Kennedy Kennedy was the was the first crack because people started you know they, when they covered up all the paperwork and they this is what's so funny they still keep pushing that shit down the line. I know. Every president, no matter which side you on, every Republican president, every Democratic president. 
since. Every time the, those papers supposed to come out, they fucking cover the shit up. It's wild, isn't it? Like, what is yeah. in those papers? Because there was a time where I thought that the James Webb telescope, I thought the Kennedy shit would come out before the depth telescope was ready. Because <laughs> they've been, I, I'm, a, I'm a nerd with that kind of shit. And it was like, I've been waiting on this telescope for a minute. Yeah. And every time I was like, well, I'll find out who killed Kennedy before that. I don't think that's true. That's no. That scope's going to be launched before we know who killed Kennedy. Mm. Or, for, or before those papers are released. And, and, and the only reason they could still be secret is because... I think it would it would probably cause mass hysteria if people found out that like the CIA was involved or something like that. They had to be. That's the only reason why they would keep it under wraps. That's the only reason. There's, there's no other reason. There's no logical reason why they wouldn't release those papers. Yeah, it's insane. Because yeah. I mean, even if people involved are still alive, can I smoke a cigarette in here? Mm-hmm. The, the people that uh, I'm quitting when the special come out, Mom. Do you want a um, cigar? No, no, no. Last time I did that shit, it fucked me up. Cigars fucked you up? How how so? It just made my shit all dry. Yeah, I mean, like, th- this ain't healthy, but I'm, a, I'm an addict. It's definitely not healthy. I'm just making excuses. I'm an addict. How often do you smoke them? Cigarettes? Yeah. God damn. I don't know. Probably. You know, it's it it changes when I'm doing comedy or really? when I'm when I'm performing. You prefer, you smoke more? Yeah. Interesting. I smoke more when I'm at the comedy store and shit. Because mm, everybody else is doing it? It's social? No, no one else does it. No one? Very few. Kind of bullshit ass. Like most people, like, now it's, it's just the era of the healthy comic. Ah, those motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. They're judging you. Judgers. Goddamn judgy fucks. Ma, special comes out today, I'm done. That's it? You're done? I told her I told her when it comes out, I'm, I'm done. And what are you going to do to replace it? Are you going to do gum? Are you going to do... The, the shit you put in your mouth. Oh, shit. You know, those pa- oh. I was hanging out with Schaub at Schultz's wedding, and he takes those little dip pouches, shoves them in his mouth. Nah, fuck he that. grabbed three of those motherfuckers and stuck them inside his cheek like a squirrel. I and I go, What are you doing? He goes, I'm an addict. He I goes, I'm a straight addict. I can't do it, man. The dip really? shit. So, this, so one time I, when, I was, uh, when I was deployed, we, we had our little. This was my second appointment, so by this time we had like more comforts and shit, and we had our little six, our little twelve by six can or whatever. Right. But my can, so there's and there's there's six Marines sleeping in one of these things. Fun. But my can had we we had negotiated with the locals and we had a TV, Ooh. we had an Xbox and we had a little makeshift couch that we had built and like made comfortable, so everybody would come in our room and like watch Sopranos. or play or come in our can and, and and all that shit. And this one motherfucker, I can't remember his name. Anyway, this son of a bitch had this weird habit of leaving his dip bottles every fucking way, right? Oh no! Yeah, and one day, and you know, one day I'm sitting there, I'm drinking my shit, and I put it down by my feet, and oh, I reach no. back down, and I grab it, not looking, ugh, mouth full of dip spit. Uh, yeah, it took three people to pull me off that motherfucker. Uh, it wasn't fair to be mad at him for real for not paying attention, but but I I can. It's you know, you have those events. Where you can't control yourself, you relive them. Like it, every time I think about, it, I can taste it, Ugh. and I just I could never dip. I could never dip, and I've, I I'm still mad it. about it. I've dipped. It uh, it um it definitely gives you a nice little head rush, but not as good as cigarettes. Cigarettes give you the best head rush. Yeah, it's like a woo. But um, I love a cigarette before I go on stage. I don't mm. know how I'm gonna replace that. Like right before, you gotta like, try to use a jewel or something like that. God, I don't know. That doesn't work good enough. No, I think you just have to stop. Like, you just I, have to stop. I started um, 
I had this book called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking. And everybody that I've got to read the book, they've stopped. <laughs> and then, but I've never finished it. <laughs> you know, what does so, it tell you to do? It's it's so the premise of it is basically like they instead of telling you the reasons you shouldn't smoke, they attack the reasons why you say you smoke. Like all the reasons people give, and they show you that they're just excuses that you're just as much of an addict as a crackhead or hmm. that doesn't help you. No? I think what helps people is uh, things like ibogaine. Ibogaine, um, mushroom trips, Which things is, like that. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. And I know a lot of people that uh, my my buddy that um, actually he just left. He he moved down here actually. Um, Mitch, I can't remember Mitch's last name. God damn it. Anyway, he quit after a mushroom trip. He was like he did shrooms and was like, nah, I was just done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you start thinking about what you could be doing to your body. You know what what could be happening inside of your body. Yeah, so maybe maybe I just need a picture of a tumor. To yeah, just hang over or a my health back. scare. <laughs> a little bit of health. Well, scare. I've had enough of those. That, bit, that doesn't stop people really. No, From no cigarettes. It's people that's it's people that's dying in the hospital now that's still sneaking out to smoke cigarettes. Yeah, but that's just because they know they're dying. And they're like, uh, I'd rather just take the cigarette now, other than like die and not enjoy a cigarette because you're already dying. So you need so you send the type of health scare where they like look. Stop if you now. stop now, yeah, you'll be okay. But if you don't stop now, yeah, yeah. maybe one of those. Something's got to like they got to show you your lungs where you see the blackness, like the tar and all the fucking decay oh, and the. Yeah, dude. Have you seen like a smoker's lung when they pull it out and they they put it next to a healthy person's lung on an autopsy table? Yeah, and it looks it's wild. It's yeah. Go see if you can find a video. They there or a photo. There's they do autopsies of these people who die of lung cancer and you know lifetime cigarette smokers and their fucking their their lungs. They they look like they're just covered. Look oh, at Jesus. that. Look at that fucking lung. It's look like, at the it's like lung jerky. Look at that one. The the black lungs of a chain smoker, the one on that. Look at that. That is insane, man. That's so insane. That looks like someone. Oh my God! Look at that next to a regular lung. That is so wild. One lung is like uh, orangey, reddish pink, and the other one is literally black Ugh. and white, like white tissue and black tissue. Fucking wild, man. That is wild. Ugh. Terrible. As I God damn it. smoke my this is like Look at that one up there. That one, the se second down, right below that. Look at that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Look at, they're all shriveled. This is like, like showing me stool samples while I'm eating. Yeah, but that's, if I'm still hungry, I'll still eat. <laughs> really? You can just power through yeah, it? I, don't, I was on real. Fear Factor. It's not real? This is a computer. Oh, it's computer generated? Oh, okay. Oh. That's still pretty accurate. Probably accurate, but the one next to it is real. That's real. Damn, what's wrong with that one down there? The one that looks like like it has cheese on it. Which one's that? The one in the middle oh, bottom. Oh, it's pussy. What is that? Pulmonary oh, pathology. Oh. Good God! It's fucked up because like the thing that scares people the most is not being able to breathe. You know, that's what's interesting. It's like that feeling that you can't breathe is terrifying to people. That's why drowning is so terrifying to people. But they say that the last days of a person's life when they're dying of lung cancer is like drowning. It's like you, you can't breathe and you're, you're gasping for air. And it's like your lungs are filling up with fluid and you can't get any oxygen in there. Because oh, all the sores are like yeah. popping. Ugh. <sighs> as you tap as I, as and I take just... another hit. <laughs> you went through that cigarette quick too. Oh, How many do you smoke a day? Oh. Uh, it varies. 
but a pack at the most. A pack. Yeah. It's a lot. What is a pack? 16? How many is in there? 20. 20? It, it, it's actually perfectly formulated for you to smoke all day. Oh, so if you start early and keep going? It's well, it's like the the rate that like the nicotine gets out of your system. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like every 40 minutes or something like that. And so the cig- you have just enough cigarettes to smoke all day long. You know what's interesting? Like nicotine is actually a medicine. Nicotine itself, um, I think it's got heart uh, applications. See, like nicotine for heart... Nicotine. And like salsa. They, they use it to treat shit? Nicotine by itself is not bad, which sounds so crazy. And it's also um, a nootropic, meaning like uh, it stimulates cognitive function. Like nicotine does stimulate. It's one of the things Stephen King said in his book uh, on writing is that quitting cigarettes w- was very hard for him because it's like his writing suffered a little bit. Wow. It was harder for him to write. Oh, dude. Hmm. Because there's something about the cigarette that, like, it fires up the synapses, it fires up the brain, and then the writing would come smoother. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because I've I've smoked all the time I've been doing comedy and writing. Mm, So, uh, man, that would be that would be like torture. Like, if I couldn't, if the ideas came to me less. Yeah, I think that's what what he was saying. But I think you can you could probably get around that with other stuff. That's good for you, like Alpha Brain, and you know, there's a bunch of different nootropics you can take. That gum that you were chewing on earlier. And you got some Alpha really Brain good. in here? Yeah, it's right here. I got, this is the new shit. This is the Alpha Brain Black Label. It's the strongest version of Alpha Brain we've ever made. That shit's the bomb diggity. Can you get me some of this shit? Fuck yeah, I'll give you a bottle. You can take that. Hell yeah. Well, I'll Hell give you a fresh one. Okay, that, yeah. that one's on half it. empty. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna be the guinea pig. I'm gonna come back because this is um, this is my last day. Okay. Well, this stuff is very good. That stuff I take before any UFC, anytime, like if I'm doing a podcast with a scientist, I take those. Like sometimes you'll see in the beginning of a podcast, I'm like, oh, Jesus. And I'll throw <laughs> six pills down, throw it. And I would think they're probably like, what, what the fuck is he doing? Or you, or you do a podcast with like with like a liar, you know, like when you had that Gupta guy on here? <sighs> he, I don't think he's a liar. Well, he's just. He's not a liar. He's the, he's the face of. He's. Face of medicine in his eyes, you know, he's uh, he's a neurosurgeon is what he is, you know, he's, he's a good guy I like Sanjay a lot. I really do He's just he's in a system, you know, and the system doesn't tolerate any dissent or it doesn't it doesn't tolerate anybody crossing lines and looking at things objectively or even Taking a chance and like looking at something that may or may not be but why the way because because you have to get hired and you have to keep working and you have to be accepted by your peers and all these other people are all squares All those people he's working with are squares, but meanwhile, what the fuck is happening at CNN? They keep catching pedophiles. You see there, there, what? Two, oh, di- two different para- pedophiles have been busted at CNN one guy w- one guy was uh, Chris Cuomo's producer and another guy was uh, I think he worked with Jake Tapper, who I respect very much. I, I like Jake Tapper a lot. I think he's probably the best journalist. How do they catch him? I don't know, man. There's uh, all these stories online about it. Like this creeps out there. There's, there are creeps out there. They're real, and they get regular jobs sometimes. You know, and it's and oftentimes they have jobs where they're like, I'm exposing the. Mm-hmm. You know the criminal underbelly of you know, oh, you know right, those kind right, of jobs. Right. Yeah, right. It's like, who's the biggest hoes? Is the girls are always calling everybody else a hoe? Right. Right. right yeah. Yeah. There's always there's people so, like that out there who you least expect. Yeah. There's like 
there's cops that are also criminals. That's a that's a real normal thing. Like cops that become drug dealers and criminals and, mm. and they and they commit crime and they've they've got like a way to understand like how people get caught because they, they catch people. Yeah, wasn't one of those serial killers wasn't he end up being a cop? Oh for sure. One of the famous ones? Guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about famous ones, but guaranteed. Or like or priests like touching little kids. Oh yeah. Well, that's the darkest shit because the priests they're in this weird cult where you're not allowed to have any sex. Like that is the strangest fucking thing ever. And well, the, you know the reason why they came up with that? Cuz the priests were fucking everybody. The priests back in the day were like rock oh, stars. Right, right. They were right. rock stars. They were banging everybody because they were literally the mouth of God. Well, it's like that in all of the non like all the Judeo-Christian faiths where you don't ha have that restriction. The, cat, the 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 pastors are rock stars. Oh yeah, you know, like yeah. In, in all yeah. the churches I, I came up in. Oh yeah, the pastors were fucking everybody. Everybody, yeah. Hey, Pastor Jenkins. Like, oh, everybody's flirting with the pastor. That's wild. Yeah, or Isn't the deacon. Wild? Yeah, yeah. Those pastors are banging everybody. That's always been the case. Remember Jim Baker and Tammy Faye Baker? He was banging no. Jessica Hahn. Oh, I didn't that was know that. a big scandal. That, those names sound familiar, but I don't remember the scandal. Well, the reason why I remember is because like I'm older than you, and it was a big deal on TV because Jim Baker was one of those. He's still on TV now. Now he sells like he sells like disaster food, and uh, it's it's kind of hilarious. He sells disaster food, and he sells it in these like red bins, like these buckets of like freeze dried disaster gruel and like he he's like but if you don't have anywhere to put it you can use it as a table and like so they have these these things stacked up and they have like a tablecloth over it and they 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 use it as like stools and stuff and it's like where you store your disaster food so people jeez people will fall People fall for anything nowadays, man. That's the thing. When people don't trust the government and they don't trust the news, yeah, it's so easy to to, to get. Dude, I've I, I read some shit the other day about um, uh, this company called Black Oxygen Organics. Have you heard of these? No. Boo. Hashtag boo. <laughs> you said these motherfuckers get this, Joe. They're selling dirt. They're selling people dirt. And they're telling me that it's a miracle cure. You can drink it. You can bathe in it. What? You can put it in your hair. Yeah. Dirt. It's dirt. But is there something in the dirt? Nope. Nothing? It's nothing special about the dirt. It's just it's just dirt. And you're supposed to drink this dirt? You can drink you can drink it. You can you can make you can put it in your in your in your bath water. People are washing their babies in this shit. With dirt? What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, it's 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 a multi level marketing oh thing. Oh my god. Magic dirt. How do I not know this? There's too many things to know. How the internet fueled and defeated the pandemic's worst MLM. What's an MLM? Multi-level market. It's a pyramid scheme. Oh, pyramid scheme. Okay. Black oxygen organics became a sudden hit <laughs> in the fringe world of alternative medicines and supplements where even dirt can go for 110 bucks a bag. Yeah. What the fuck, man? How did I not know this? When is this? When does that say? March of 20? What did it scroll up a little bit? December. Oh, recent. Okay. Social media posts started in May, photos and videos of smiling people, mostly women, drinking mason jars of black liquid. <laughs> oh my God, what the fuck? Slathering black paste on their faces and feet, yeah. dipping babies and dogs in tubs of black water. They tagged the post, hashtag boo, and linked to a website that sold a product called Black Oxygen Organics. Difficult to classify as marketed as fulvic acid. Fulvic acid I've heard about. I think that's like a, a real supplement, right? Oh, that was dug up from an Ontario peat bog. 
The website of the Canadian company sold it as build it as the end product and the smallest particle of the decompose decomposition of ancient organic matter. Huh. Okay. Wow. Well, there's always there's a bunch of scammers out like we were talking about earlier. Sociopaths. A gift from the ground, they called it. <sighs> It's like, yeah, it's, it's like you can, and it, the reason stuff like that thrives is because people don't trust the official. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. And there's also a little bit of the, they know that they're getting fucked over by pharmaceutical companies. You know, we played this ad the other day of this, uh, what was it? Uh, Anti-sleep, it was a sleeping thing that helps you go to sleep. But they listed off all the things that could possibly be side effects, including suicidal thoughts, not being able to move your legs, all these different things. Like, Jesus Christ. Like how about just stay up? Suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Oh my God. It's a big. It's a big problem. Yeah. It's a big problem with a lot of uh, anything that fucks with the mind, like all these different things that fuck with your mind. All these different. Even SSRIs. Some of them have suicidal thoughts Yo, attached. It to was them. That, it was that, that skin shit did that too, right? The um. Oh yeah. Yes. Ac yes. Ac Accutane. Accutane. Yeah. yeah. Fucking talk to uh, Santino about that. Yeah, I did. That. I talked to him about. Oh the other my god. Day. He yeah. said it was great because he, he, it stopped his zits, but he goes, he almost fucking killed himself. Like it was rough. That's crazy. Yes. Man. I have several friends that had suicidal tendencies because of some sort of a pharmaceutical drug. And sometimes it's the shit that's supposed to treat treat depression. Yeah. Because like I, some of the stuff that I was on before, because 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 a lot of times what happens is. When you're depressed, you don't have the motivation to do anything. So right. even if you want to die, you don't want to do. It. But when you start taking antidepressants, you you're there's a point where you're still depressed enough to want to kill yourself, and you then you have just enough motivation to fucking do it. So when you the most oh. dangerous time is when you first start taking them. Oh my god! So you got energy. Yeah, you get just enough energy, just enough motivation where you're like, I think I could pull this off. You know, have some of that. Right. Is this weed? Shh. Oh, okay. Of course it is. I was looking uh, into the lung thing. This is, do you, I don't even know if I believe it, but it's in the article, so we'll go with what it says. What? Lungs from pack-a-day smokers safe for transplant study funds. <laughs> study funded by... I know, that's where I started to get into Re it. R.J. Like, Reynolds. It said they looked into, it said like 13% of double lung transplant people were, in quotes, like heavy smokers, which means at least a pack-a-day for 20 years, maybe two packs a day for 10 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. Typically, these men smoke at least a pack of cigarettes a day for more than 20 years or two packs a day for 10 years. Two packs a day is wild. In the end, after all variables were accounted for, people who got lungs from heavy smokers lived as long and as well as those who got lungs from tobacco-free. Yeah, but you know what they're saying, though? The thing is, people that get transplanted organs, they don't live that long. That's look. I have a good friend, and he got a transplanted heart, and he's a wonderful person, and he's on all sorts of crazy medication because of this. Oh, wait a minute. You talking about Superman? C.T. Fletcher. Yeah. Yes. Love him to death. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He was my he was my David Goggins before I knew who David Goggins yeah. was. Yeah. He, well, he's super super motivational and he's you know, motherfucking set. And he's become a different person uh, post heart attack and post uh, transplant. He's like. Like is really is he still doesn't take any bullshit or excuses, but he's much more like loving and open, and he realizes he has this new gift of life and this new take on life. And also, he thinks he's got a woman's heart. Well, he knows it's a woman, but he thinks it's an Asian woman, and he's not. I don't think they tell you that, <laughs> but like he's like got feelings that he because th the the heart has neurons in it, you know, and they uh... think they don't know where memories are exactly stored. 
probably you know, some leftover. Um, what are the cells that recover everything? Um, I don't know. I think it's neurons. No, I think the, sh- the shit they use, they take from like fetus from a uh, stem cells. Stem cells? Yeah, it could be like some some re- some residual stem cells, like shooting through your body or something. Yeah, I don't know if your your body contains memories in other things. It like, does. I don't know. It's called yeah. No, that no, they know it does. It's they called do? um. God damn. I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't take my on it. Um, ah. it but it's called. It's it. Because they've 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 figured out that there's something left in your DNA from the trauma of your grandparents and your parents. I believe that there's so, there's and what the fuck is the name of it? I believe that for sure. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, somebody will scream. Put it in the comments. Some people right? are screaming right now. Yeah. Oh, you fucking idiots! If I was on that show. Yeah. But, um. But it is something. It's, there's something to that. But it, but if you get somebody else's heart, is their DNA in the heart still? Obviously, it has to be. Well, there has to be something, right? Because the heart is still beating. They keep yeah. it. They get in in your body. They make it beat. So it's the same yeah. tissue. There are genetic memories though. I would I would imagine that you know that's I think there was a study that showed and I think this was like a recent discovery over the last few decades that there's as many neurons in the heart as there are in the brain. See if that's true. Um, or maybe the second highest source of neurons in the body. And the idea was that like that whole idea of like trust your heart, like trust your like trust your heart being that it was uh, actually not. No, not just a saying, but there's probably something to that. There's probably like instinctive, some maybe even some kind of thinking that's done with with that part of your body, which doesn't make any sense because uh, we think of thinking, we think of the mind, we think of you know the 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 right. neuro. Uh, so I, I googled the thing about the heart, but yeah. I was thinking something different than what you said, and I got the same answer for both things. Oh, so very okay. strange that there's two different things called the second brain or little brain. And I don't know which we want to go with. It says know, the heart has pulling up. Let's see what's up. It says the heart has approximately forty thousand neurons that are like neurons in the brain, meaning the heart has its own nervous system. Jesus Christ! Right, so check so this. yeah, so this is ninety-one they discovered. Check this, this one though. Okay. Stomach. Oh, enti- oh my God! Well, that's the other thing. Your gut instinct, sometimes referred to as the second brain, is the nervous system of the gut. It contains some five hundred million neurons. Is that the same amount? Would the it say for the heart? Forty thousand. Oh my God! That's a lot more. How many in the brain, though? That's a good question. Billions. Billions. So there's way more in the brain. And then the second is not the heart. It seems like the second is the gut, according to this. Because I've heard of things. Uh, what's the thing that. Uh, not ser- I think it's serotonin. Mm. Um, that can. I know that's like. A, it's like the happy thing and dopamine or whatever. But there's something. Because there's a pill you can take that makes you not throw up. And it. And it, what it's doing is it's stopping that that chemical from going from your stomach to your brain it just sort of like kills that well, I you forget gotta, what it is you know there's a those. thing that vegans always say that like and I think there's probably some validity to it ouch this is, this is the thing that a lot of vegans say is that like the diet promotes kindness mm. and I don't think it's just that it's kindness and that you're not killing an animal I think there's probably also kindness in that you're eating only plants so your brain doesn't think it needs to think in a more vicious way. 
I think there's probably something to eating meat. Like Hicks and Gracie used to say that a lot. Who are they? That Hicks and Gracie is the greatest jiu-jitsu fighter of all time. He's like the legendary patriarch of the, the Gracie clan. He's the, he was the head dog. He was oh, the, okay. He was the guy like back in the day. But he's not the most famous because that's not the well, name Hoist I always... Hoist is Hoist, his brother okay, right. and Hoist was the, the guy who won the first Ultimate Fighting Championship and a bunch of other ones. Um, Hoist will tell you, he tells everybody that Hickson's 100 times better than him. Hickson was widely regarded as the man. I mean, like, there's not a lot of agreement in jiu-jitsu because you're dealing with thousands of black belts, right? Thousands oh, yeah. of killers. And there's guys at the elite, elite level, and it's they're kind of interchangeable. You know, if you say, like, who would win? If it was Salu Hibero or this guy, or if it was Rafael Lovato or that guy. Like, these, there's this level of jiu-jitsu where everybody's an assassin. Right, right, but Hickson was the assassin of the assassins. Okay, I like they, that. Hickson used to they used to do these seminars. So Hickson would teach these seminars, and they would line up black belts, line them up, like ten world class black belts, and Hickson would tap them one after the other with no break, tap them one after the other. And he wasn't doing anything like like it was physically overpowering them. He wasn't like bigger than them. He wasn't unbelievably fast. It wasn't. He was all those things. I mean, he was like an elite athlete, like they all were. But it wasn't that. It was his mind and his understanding of jiu-jitsu was superior to everyone else's. His, he had like innate talent, but he also had crazy dedication and discipline. And he had an understanding of jiu-jitsu that was off the charts. That's crazy. You know who I've been following recently? Who? Have you heard of this kid, um, Mikey Mesamucci? Mesamucci, yeah. Oh, my God. He's this, an assassin. This fucking kid, man. He's it, an assassin. He's a, And he's he's likable, like yes. like, a, like Nunez almost. He's a like, sweetheart, yeah. But this, 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 I just, I watch everything he does. Yeah. I think Musumeci is how you say it. Musumeci. Yeah, he's, uh, I've seen him uh, live a couple of times. Uh, they do this thing in Austin. They were doing it once a month. It's called Who's Number One. It's these professional jiu-jitsu matches that they'd have in Austin that they'd stream on Flow Combat or Flow Grappling. Yeah, flow that's, grappling. that's what I was watching on Flow Grappling, yeah. <laughs> Dude, this it's wild to see him live. You know, I'm gonna come back down. I'm gonna come back down next time. That there's a I will let you know. We'll, right. we'll schedule a podcast around it, like afterwards. So okay, you, cool. We can yeah. Go to it, and then you can see it. And that'll yeah. be a good way if you get it in shape. You're a strong person. You could. You would probably do great at jujitsu. You think so? Yes. You're a fucking house man. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. Because I gotta do something. You, you, you're obviously like not just overweight. You're very strong. Like there's a lot of muscle there. So if you just trim away at the fat and do it slowly, where you don't hurt yourself. Like don't try to get crazy in the beginning. Just you got to check your ego. You're right. And just learn and roll. It's exhausting. And the, the beautiful thing about that is you walk out of there, like, you don't want any trouble about anything. Like, everything is no big deal. Someone's just trying to kill you. People are just trying to kill you. Oh, yeah. Well, there is, there, is, there, is something to, there is something to being in shape and knowing that you can fuck most people up. It definitely that, helps. That makes you, it calms you. Yes. In a way that, like, you don't start shit because it's like because the 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 stakes are it's like walking around with a grenade in your pocket exactly it's like you know listen either this is nothing or i'm gonna kill somebody exactly right and like there's something about like that's why you never see you don't see very many ufc fighters you don't hear about them getting in bar fights i mean you, you it's know. not the, not the best ones that's for sure yeah if you go to like Except the top john, of the Jones. heap well john is uh he's a look to ah, this is a thing it's like i'm not making excuses for anybody's behavior but i am saying that the best of the best are wild. They're they're risk takers. No, I agree. Like Lawrence they, Taylor. Yes. Like, like they're just they're crazy. Yes. Yeah. I think you have to be like Mike Tyson. I think you have to be to be that goddamn good. 
there's a there's a, like a level of good, you know, like so, like Hickson was never like an out of control guy in that regard, you know. And there's a lot of jujitsu guys that are not out of control guys, but they're the best of the best. But there's some fighters that like the thing that propels them is this like wildness that they have this ability to like in the moment take great risks and also be very creative in the moment and do wild things. And sometimes that is the difference between the very best and the elite. Like John Jones has had some fucking close fights, man. This Alexander Gustafson fight, that shit went to the wire. Well, the first one. Yes, yeah. the second one he destroyed. <laughs> but the first yeah. one he literally wasn't training. Literally was not That's training. That's crazy. Was not training. Imagine, imagine being that confident where you're like, I'm not even going to train for it's, this There's a lot of psychology behind it, and he was actually telling me, I mean, he was admitting it, that there was fights that where he would got, get, go out and party hard, like get really fucked up the week before the fight, and he said, I think I did it because I had a built-in excuse, so that if I, I beat them, or, you know, I beat them, I can beat these motherfuckers even if I'm partying, but if he loses, he goes, yeah, but I was partying. So he kind of proved that with the Gustafson fight, right? He won the fight. Yeah. And he won the fight in the fifth round, too, by the way. The fifth round, he poured it on Gustafson when he wasn't even in shape. And he wasn't even training. That's how good John Jones is. Yeah, I love watching him fight. Bro, there's, that division, you got to realize, that division is super ultra com uh, competitive, right? Unless John Jones is in the mix. Then it's not competitive. Yeah. John Jones dominates everybody. But that's, that's, what I, that's why I was so, like, when Nunez lost... Like I almost couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, "Yeah, yeah," because I'm sitting there watching it with other people, and I'm like, "And I and I and I bet money on the on the Poirier fight." Who'd you bet on? Poirier. You bet on Poirier. Yeah, because I was like, "There's no way he just came off that." The fights with Connor. Connor. I was like, "There's no way he's gonna lose." But 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 I, you know, I'm not as big a fan as so my homie is the one. He's the Joe Rogan in our group where he knows so much that if there's anything I don't understand, he just explains it. You know. Yeah. And he was trying to tell me, "No, man, Oliveira's a fucking monster," and I'm like. Oliveira's a monster. People think of Oliveira as not being a monster because there's times that people have beaten him. Like Paul Felder smashed him, and there's a lot of guys that beat him. Cub Swanson KO'd him. Guys have beaten him, but he got better. And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta accept that and not think of like when he lost. Because so many people, well, who gets better at thirty-five? I, I, like, I'm not, not, I don't believe he's thirty-five. No, no, I think he's younger than that. And he's, uh, I think he's thirty-three. And I also think that he got into the UFC when he was twenty. And so uh -huh. part of the problem was like he was learning and developing and growing as an elite in an elite organization. How old is he? Thirty-two. Oh, okay, me. wow. Thirty-two. So see, he's been around a long ass time, but he came into his own over the last few years, which kind of makes sense. Like he figured it out somewhere around twenty-seven, twenty-eight. But wow. he comes. Look, these guys are elite, right? They come close to beating them, but he finds a way to beat them. And the way he does it is so final. The way he beat Poirier, man, that choke was so fucking good. It was so good. Yeah. And that's the, the same way the world found out about him was Efrain Escudero, who won the Ultimate Fighter. So who was a very good fighter himself. He fought Oliveira, and Oliveira took his back same way, standing up, and choked him out. And uh, that's when we first saw him. And that was the first mm -hmm. time I, re I recognized him, like, man, this kid is talented. And, but then it was like... His jiu-jitsu was really good, but maybe his striking wasn't as good as his jiu-jitsu. And then slowly his jiu-jitsu and striking merged where he's like equal. In yeah. both, both of them, he's lethal in. He's lethal in his striking and lethal in his jiu-jitsu. But the difference is his level of jiu-jitsu is a, 
a leap higher than most of the people he's competing against. I didn't realize that. He has the most submissions in the history of the UFC. Make sure that's true. Yeah, that, I'm pretty sure that's that all, true. That also blew my because they were saying that during the broadcast. Yeah, that blows my mind. But it's also like everybody. I'm always like, I'm always in my mind going, I want to see this guy fight Khabib. Oh yes, that would have been the fight, God, and maybe it could be. Maybe I'd it could do be still. To see that fight. Look, maybe it could be still. Khabib might decide at one point in time. You know. Okay, Charles Oliveira holds the record for the most submission wins with a mind-boggling 14 wins. Click on that because I think it's 15 now. Because I think that might be a uh, article that was yeah, written the, the pre the before the Poirier fight. I think. I think. Ah, doesn't matter. Um, either way, Oliver holds the record, and it's the way he does it, man. There's, it's jujitsu is a wild thing. Like, there's guys that are smaller than me, and I'll, I'll grapple with them, and I'm in deep danger from the moment it starts. With the moment you start sparring, because they're just so much better than me. They're just mm -hmm. better. And that's the difference between Oliveira and these guys. It's like they're all really good standing up. He's really good standing up. So there's kind of like an even playing field. But when that motherfucker gets a hold of you, you're in deep danger. Yeah. Terrifying danger where you can't make any mistakes. It's, oh, yeah, 15. See? Damn, this brain is like a steel trap. Occasionally. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, it's like the, the it's him and Khabib are scary that way. Where it's like, because yes. after that fight, I went back and watched like all all his highlights and all. Because yes. you know you hear that, and it's like, yeah, it, it, it's a there's a precision, there's a there's a predator like mm -hmm. like precision where he pounces on the like as soon as you give him an opening, yes, it's it's a wrap. Well, see, the thing is, Khabib can do that too, but Khabib chooses to smash you. Or what, like he, the way he says it, smish, smish. smish. <laughs> he smashes people. Khabib smashes people. But if you look at the Justin Gaethje fight, Khabib submitted Gaethje. He almost submitted him in the, the end of the first round, and they submitted him in the second round. And the, one of the reasons why he did that, now this is supposedly, I don't know if this is true, but what they said is that, and I know this was true, that they do like each other. And that uh, Justin actually helped Khabib cut weight, sat in with him, because one of the things about cutting weight is if there's someone there talking to you, it helps you through it, especially someone, they're, they're also managed by the same guy. So they have the same manager and they got together, and so when they had that fight, Khabib liked him. So he says, I'm just going to submit this dude. So he got a hold of him, did his normal shit, get, gets his wrestling going, but then almost, so this is the beginning of the first round. He chose to beat him in a way that he wouldn't have chosen to beat Connor. When he was on top of Connor, he's smashing yeah, his he was, face. He was trying to hurt that one. And he was going, let's talk now. Let's talk now. Bam, bam, let's talk. Bam, just beating <laughs> the fuck out of him. See, in this, he chooses to go straight to an arm bar. It's very unusual for him. But this is Khabib's respect for Gaethje as, as a person, as a fighter, and also he can do this. He can do this. So this is the end of the first round. So he almost cut, catches him at the end of the first round with an arm bar very close. But the now end of the just, second round, yeah, he gets a hold of him, dumps him, yeah. takes his back. I mean, it's just the precision, and then he decided to go for a mounted triangle. And so when you watch him do this, he does this with such amazing control. He's, he's doing it very quickly. Look how quickly he sets this up. Just, he's just deciding he's going to do it, period, from the jump. Then he locks in the triangle, and that's a wrap, son. That is a death triangle. Look at it. Justin has to tap. There's no question at all. He's going out. And the referee lets him go, and, and Justin's out cold. Damn, like he, didn't, he didn't struggle at all. Yeah, he tapped, and then he went out. Uh, but the way he did it, he went through him. He went right through him. I think Khabib could do that to almost anybody, except maybe Oliveira. 
I think Khabib, the guys that Khabib beat, that he smashed, I think a lot of those guys he could have submitted to. I think Khabib is that elite, of, especially like at the later stages of his career when he was just the GOAT. And he's arguably one of the absolute best submission artists, even though he so smashes so many people. Are you talking about Khabib? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's arguably one of the very best submission artists as well as being one of the greatest fighters of all time. You watch the way he goes through Gaethje like that? That is elite, high-level, precision submission. Oliveira does that too. Oliveira does it, man. It's, uh, that's what makes you think, like, wow, that would, that would make the fight with Khabib so interesting. And I know Khabib has a lot of respect for him, too, because Khabib said to Gaethje, there was an article that I was reading where he's saying, hey, you got to be aware of this guy. This guy is fucking for real. This guy's really dangerous. Like, people look yeah. at some of the losses that Oliveira had. You can't look at those. You got to look at the wins. You got to look at who he is now. Don't look at who he is five years ago or six years ago. Look who he is right now. So was that been the last, is that the last time he lost? I think if no, I don't think it's that long ago. He he uh, had a fight with Felder, and he caught Felder, I believe, in a guillotine, and then Felder got out of it and smashed him and stopped him. But Felder's the fucking man. You know, people forget how goddamn good Paul Felder is. You know, Paul Felder may have retired and may have never won the title, but to push the top back, push the top back, the other way. There you go. Now do it. Um, but Felder is an elite fighter. He's an absolutely elite fighter. There's there's a thing when you get to the top level of uh, a division where it's on any given Saturday night. Any given Saturday night, one guy could be going through camp with a back problem and you know, he's trying oh, yeah. to nurse a fucked up knee and he's trying to do his best and he keeps the fight anyway. So this is Felder. So Oliveira's got his leg here. He came really close to a leg lock, but Felder can grapple. And he's also very strong and very big for the weight class. So Felder eventually wound up on top, and Felder beat the fuck out of him on top. Look at these nasty, smashing elbows from the guard. I think this is the last time that Oliveira lost, and if I want to I wanna guess this is 2018... I'm taking yeah, a guess. Well, the video was that I have here was posted 21, so it's not Yeah, it's that. not from then. I think, I want to say that fight was 2018. But again, Felder's a fucking monster. So, but I think he was the last guy to beat Oliveira. I'm not sure oh, about shit. that, though. But, but who he is right now, though, that, right now that guy is the fucking man. That's who he is. I'm super excited oh, to see him against Gaethje. Yeah. yeah. Him against Gaethje, that's, that's a real fucking test. Not that Dustin wasn't a real test, too. But Gaethje is another kind of real test. I, I'm waiting to see. I want to yeah, see. Yeah, Felder's his last loss. So that was 2017. Okay. I want to see the Nunez rematch. Yeah, that's going to be like, interesting, if, man. If, that, if there was anything a short, if there was anything that felt like a short bet, <sighs> it was it was betting on her, man. I, I, was, I was completely in disbelief. One of the biggest upsets ever, if not the biggest upset. I said it was the greatest upset in the history of combat sports, and in the moment, I thought that, and in time, I've thought about it, I said, well, all combat sports, you gotta go to Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson. I think yeah. that's the biggest upset in yeah. the history of combat sports. Or maybe all of sports. Yeah, but it, when it comes to MMA, Holly Holm against, um, against um, Ronda Rousey. Rousey was very close, too. That was close, too. A lot of people thought Ronda was unstoppable. Yeah, I think in the in the moment people felt that way. Yeah, but afterwards, we're like looking back on it. But they didn't think that Holly was incompetent, like, and they didn't think that Juliana was either. But Holly was an eight-time world boxing champion. She was a kickboxing champion. Like everybody knew, she was a nasty threat on the feet. Juliana did not have the same sort of credentials in terms of like the things that she's won. 
You know, so everybody knew she was really tough. Everybody knew she wanted that fight. She was calling for that fight when nobody wants to fight Amanda Nunes. She beats the fuck out of people. She knocked out Cyborg in one round. She didn't look the same. Dude, there's a lot in fights. A lot happens in she, fights. She looked thinner. She looked... Because she didn't always have that, uh, that definition, you know what I mean? She, well, you got to realize the last two fights she's been fighting at 45, because she's the champ at 45 oh, right, and 35. And 35 yeah. So this is a fight at 35. And you know what, man? She she might be experiencing some sort of a, a mental breakdown. Like she said, she checked out mentally. She said she just, she just checked out, which is crazy. But sometimes that happens to champions, because they're like, there's so many people coming to get you. All day long, everyone's coming to get you. Imagine being a guy who's a champ, like an Israel Adesanya, and all day people are just coming to get you. All day, people are talking shit and they want your title. All day, all day. That's all. That's your day, forever, and year after year after year. Sometimes I think people just get exhausted by that shit and then they fall apart. That's a, a possibility. She also could have not trained very hard because she didn't think that Juliana had it in her and she thought she was going to beat Juliana in the first round. Or you have like. Or, or you don't have anything in front of you, you know? Yeah. Everyone's behind you. Everyone's below you. You're right. Not, you're not, or maybe you're just putting in work and you don't feel like you're working towards anything. Yeah, you could get overconfident. There's a lot of that. And there's also Juliana. She's a fucking animal. That lady's an animal. She's so tough. Like, she took it to her on the feet, man. She, stung, she, she hung out in a phone booth with the greatest knockout artist in the history of the both bantamweight and featherweight division. Yeah. The way she knocked out Chris Cyborg at featherweight, you got to say, look, this is the greatest female combat sports athlete of all time. And Juliana was in the pocket with her, slugging her, and, and fucking her up with a jab, too. That was a big part of that fight. Yeah. Juliana kept cracking her with that jab. Like, just the, just the first time I saw them, you guys, like, stumble back. I was yeah. like, what the fuck? I know. It was wild. And she got tired. She got really tired in the second round. But you know what? Sometimes a champion like Amanda Nunes needs to have something like that to just get you back on track. Oh, yeah. Well, her next, her next fight's going to... I'm everyone's tuning in another example is George st pierre when george st pierre fought matt Serra, most people thought george st pierre was going to burn through matt Serra, but matt Serra cracked him in the first round and ko'd him and yeah. george actually tapped to strikes which back then there was like a kind of a ridiculous thing that you should never tap to strikes you know but george is an intelligent guy and he knows when he's in real trouble like yeah. he's about to go out he had a tap or just go unconscious, but either either point that was a giant upset and then George became the George We all know after that fight because after that fight he became much more focused and, and much more disciplined and much more ferocious inside the octagon It's like he recognized that it's it could just, all go away. He's in your goat. Oh, yeah, that's right Oh, yeah, yeah. It has to be it's like there's a bunch of them right like you got to go with Hoist Gracie because he started this shit you know, like, yeah. there, there was, nobody knew what the fuck fighting was until Hoist came around. We all had these goofy ideas of what fighting was. You know, when you, when you watch that dude wrap his gi around you and drag you to the ground and strangle you with his collar, yeah. everybody there, was like, what? When there were no weight classes. No weight classes. Yeah. He was fighting gigantic dudes with no rules. Fucking no rules. They were pulling hair. You know, yeah. they were punching nuts. You had to watch that shit on, like, the, on, the, on the DVD. Yeah. That you bought from the guy that sold you the jackass. <laughs> And you get the movies from Korea, the fighting movies. You have to put Hoist in your Mount Rushmore. You know, if you have a goat list, you have to put Hoist in there somewhere. He's he's, he's up he's, there. He's he's up there. He's the most important figure in the history yeah. of martial arts. And then when you call when, you, when and then in terms of entertainment value, though, I gotta put I gotta put the spider in there. Oh yeah, Anderson because, in his prime. Because oh. that's what because I would because obviously like before 
before I would I would watch UFC if it was around. Like if somebody had one of the DVDs, and then it's, when they first started getting on pay per view, and I remember being at my boy's house in Boston, and I think this was the this was the year the Red Sox broke the curse. So what was that twenty twenty twelve? I don't know. No, 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 that, no. It had to be way before that. But anyway, and I remember watching him just just play with uh, that school teacher. What was his name? Rich Franklin. Rich Franklin. Yeah. Just play with because he yeah. was he was insulted that they that they picked him to fight him i don't think that's true no well that's, no that's, he was that's actually was, he had a very friendly relationship with rich franklin he actually liked rich franklin and okay. like uh and at the end of the fight after rich franklin got smashed the second time rich franklin actually said very nice things about him like he's a good man and uh, you know don't, don't, don't boo this man this man is an amazing person and he is. I mean, Rich is an amazing person, right? Yeah, Rich is an amazing person. But I think Anderson and him were friends. But he, Especially towards the second fight. It's just Anderson was so much better than him. Well, he would. that's what I'm saying. It's like he would win in ways where it, where it looked like he would do like stuff you would see in a movie. Yeah. Well, he did He did an upward elbow. You want to hear this crazy story? There's a crazy thing that he saw in like an Ong Bak movie where it's a step forward to the side, upward elbow. And he kept telling people that he was going to knock this dude out with an upward elbow. And his, his, his trainer was like, hey, man, you got to stop fucking around. Like, don't try to do stupid shit like that. <laughs> don't Stick train to bullshit. Stick to the game plan. You're fighting a tough guy. And so he had his wife hold a pillow at home so he wouldn't even practice it in front of his coach. So he would go home Damn. and have his wife hold a pillow, and Anderson would step in, blap, step in, and blap, and he's stepping in with this crazy elbow. And then he decided he was going to use it in the fight. Check this out. Watch this. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, that's how good Anderson Silva was. What is his trainer saying after that? <laughs> well, he, his trainer probably went, fuck. You know, you only see a guy like that. Once in a lifetime, if yeah. you're a coach, and usually it's on the other side. Usually you're facing them. You know, Anderson in his prime, and he he came into his prime in that organization too. That was an organization in um, in in uh, England. Was that called Cage Warriors? Cage Rage. There's Cage Warriors is the new one. There's a, there's another organization like that. That's like a top level organization in England. But in Cage Rage, he fought a lot of guys. And uh, he fought Lee Murray, and that was a gigantic fight because Lee Murray was that crazy English hoodlum, the hoodlum who uh, yeah, robbed I'm, I'm the bank. Familiar. You don't know the story? He no. was a part of the biggest bank robbery in like the history of Great Britain. Oh, wow. It's like some fucking lock, stock, and two smoking barrels type shit. Like, and they made a movie about it? They made a, well, they're making a movie about it. Guy Ritchie is making a movie about Lee Murray. Okay. That's how wild this fucking dude is. He's still in jail right now. There's like... I think they stole like $80 million, something crazy oh, like that. But these guys had like full-on tactical gear, fucking machine guns, like the whole thing. UFC fighter Lee Murray who robbed a bank for $90 million. <laughs> Like, Wait a minute. So this was so, – wait a minute. So he, he robbed the bank and yes. was fighting in the UFC. He was fighting in the UFC while he was a full-on criminal. <laughs> I love that shit. I mean a Full on criminal. That's real outlaw. Like, how can you be? See, that's that's the kind of shit you were talking about. Yeah, with John Jones, where it's wildness. Like, where it's yeah. like, I this isn't enough. This is not enough adrenaline. Been yeah. in the UFC. Well, um, go to the fight that he had with Anderson because everybody was scared of Lee Murray. Everybody was scared of Lee Murray. Anderson. I didn't know that. Pieced him up. 
Anderson pieced him up, man. Anderson toyed with him. He played with his food. This is not. This is in the UFC. No, this is in Cage uh, Cage Rage as well. But it was a tough fight because Lee Murray came for blood. And this was an Anderson when he was in his 20s. we got to realize, like, the Anderson that we got in the UFC, we didn't get him until he was, like, 33 or 34, I believe, was, was his first fight. Was he already past his prime when he got to the UFC? No, or, or no, right he the was peak of it? riding the very peak of his prime. But I think he came into his prime in cage wars, in cage rage, rather, because in cage rage... He fought real tough guys, and it was a, there was a big organization in England, but most of the people in America did not know these fights were going on. And he's fighting guys like Jorge Rivera, he's fighting Lee Murray, he's fighting Tony Fricklin, and I, I forget who else he fought in there. But dude, I'm telling you, Anderson could do it all. He could grapple, he was dangerous off of his back, he was comfortable everywhere. And Lee Murray was an animal. Go, go a little further in the fight where you see when Anderson starts destroying his legs. So somewhere towards the end of the fight, like the last round, Anderson's like just chewing on his legs. There it is. And he just did that over and over and over again, and Lee was in real trouble. Like the, you get into a position like Lee's in right now where that left leg just doesn't work anymore. Bruh, yeah, you ever got, I'm sure you've gotten kicked in the leg. That shit is no joke. Oh, it's horrible. And to have a guy like Anderson kick you in the leg? Shit. And he's doing it right now. And he just used his Muay Thai. He was, just, he was a Muay Thai wizard, a technical wizard. And just, again, these guys that are at the top of the heap, they're so, they're so creative and they're so explosive and they're so wild. Like they, they could take these chances in the heat of a gunfight and they find these openings. And Anderson used to find him in these spectacular highlight reel ways. Like that front kick that he hit Vitor in the face with. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Always. The, his, highlight, his highlight reel might be like the most entertaining <sighs> of anyone. Right? The knees to Rich Franklin where he just broke his whole face. And the closest thing we saw to that was when John Jones started doing that kind of yes, shit. Yes. In a different way. John was more, it was a lot of smashing people on the feet, but it was more the wrestling and the destruction once you get a hold of you. Whether submissions or ground and pound. Yeah, he very you know, very violent like oh just, yeah you could just feel the intentions were like i'm gonna i'll crush your skull yeah you yeah. know the type of people that yeah that's a scary motherfucker there's a lot of scary motherfuckers in the ufc but they're nice people <laughs> most of them are really nice yeah you know like, those, those are the kind of people that you have to apologize to yeah you have to yeah but most of them you know they're just it's this is what it is. I mean, it's an insane sport. How do, you, insane. how do you deal with that when people like have a problem with your commentary and all that? I try to be very fair, always with my commentary, and I'm also very respectful. Like, even if I, if, if you think that my commentary was biased or one way or another, you'll never think I'm disrespectful because I try to, unless someone's doing something dirty. Like, there was a girl in this last fight that was uh, uh, Jillian Robertson. She was trying to gouge Jillian Robertson's eye out. Like, she, she had her in a rear naked choke, and this girl, Kashweda, stuck her fucking thumb deep into her eyeball. She didn't get caught. Uh, we were calling it. She did it twice. She's reaching for it. Like, while she's getting choked, she's trying to find the eye, and then she shoves a thumb in the eye. We played that, right? It's horrible. You want to see it? Yeah. Yeah. Of course you do. It's horrible. Yeah, if I was one of those that, girls, I, that I I'm going to be disrespectful. I would get up and just kick her right in the pussy. That I'd be disrespectful. Stop cheating. Too. It's not just cheating. You could ruin a person's career. Like if you scratch their eyeball with your with your thumbnail, you 100% could ruin their eyesight. You 100% could end their career. You could like they could lose their eyesight. It happens. It's it's not 100% common, but it's common enough. And there's enough eye injuries where you know that that's a unnecessary and it's also an egregious cheating move. 
that's so obvious. You're, you're letting the whole world see that you're cheating. It's not like you might have accidentally touched someone's eyes because like, they're coming towards you and you had your hand out, your, your hand went in there, but it was a total accident. This yeah. is not that. This is your digging your thumb. Hey, watch this. Look at her. She reaches up. Watch this. She reaches up, finds the eyeball, and digs her thumb in the eyeball. And that girl just winced her eyes and just choked her yeah. harder. I remember Good I saw her. I saw the the uh, uh, accidental one right when it was like it was like Vitor versus um, Randy Couture was it? Oh, that was a different thing. That was the he cut the eyelid. Oh, okay. Yeah, Vitor hit Randy with a punch and just randomly it sliced across the eyelid, so he couldn't close his eyes. And then he lost the belt off that. Yes. Then yeah. he came back and beat him in the rematch. And, bo- and both of them were like upset about it. Like, but, yeah. like you don't want to win that way, and mm-hmm. you don't want. So that's why a lot of people are upset with uh, what is it, Aljamain Sterling, right? It's because it's like right. the way you won, right? But you, know, you celebrating as if you dominated and the way and you won on on a humble because you were, he was getting fucked up. He wasn't getting fucked up, but he was losing the fight, and right. he was in a situation where Piotr Jan uh, asked if it was okay. I think he was confused as to what the rules are. If you have one knee down or two knee, like when is it, when is it a downed opponent? Because they've changed the rules a little bit, and in some places you can have one one hand down and you're you're still up. In other places it has to be two hands. If you have two hands down, then they can attack you. Uh, but if you have one hand up, you can't. They can attack you. So if two hands down, you're considered a down opponent. So someone can't knee you in the face. But if you have, in some places, one hand down and one hand up, they can knee you in the face. And I think he was asking whether or not he could, and someone said yes. I think someone in his corner gave oh. him bad advice, and he kneed him in the face. This is a this is the story. That's the narrative. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But yeah, right. And you're right. He wasn't getting fucked up. Don't come for me, Aljamain. I love Aljamain. But, but he was losing that fight he for was, sure. I it, think he was losing. Why, and why hasn't the rematch happened yet? Uh, well, because Aljamain had to get neck surgery. Aljamain uh, had to get a disc replaced in his oh, spine. Fuck. It's a serious fucking injury. And uh, I tried to get him to uh, avoid it, and I, I actually sent him to my doctor because I had had a, um, a, an issue with my discs as well in the past. And they can, they can do some stuff with, with uh, regenikine and with stem cells and reduce inflammation and, and maybe whatever bulging disc issue you have might be able to go away. But... The problem is that these guys, they, they train so hard and so often that for them to take a long time off to let something heal, they're not that inclined to do that. And apparently it was bad enough that they decided to go ahead and there's a couple guys in the UFC that have had that done where they have fake discs. I know one guy had them in his back and his neck. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way I keep fighting. They love it, man. It's the, it's the most exciting thing in the world to them, and that's what they're the best are, at. Are there, are there are there ever so comparing it to what we were talking about with comedy? Do you, do you think because there's people that are like they're built like that up here, really? Mm-hmm. They love to fight. They do it for free. Or they do yeah. it for cheap. And yeah. then there's people that are like, do you ever come across fighters where it's like? You're 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 good at this, but you don't have it up. Like you're yeah. not this. Well, those guys find out. They find out as time goes on. Generally, they quit. But sometimes you think they're going to be like that, and then they figure it out. Like Charles Oliveira. Charles yeah. Oliveira used to, you know, there used to be fights where it looked like he fell apart, but that's not the case anymore. He figured it out. So it's you can never tell someone. The only time you should tell someone it's over is when they've taken too many knockouts. 
and they're they're you know they're losing their ability to take a punch and you, they're realizing and also like if they're kind of in it just for a paycheck uh dana white actually just accused nick diaz of that he said he doesn't want he goes nick is a great fighter but I, he doesn't want to fight like i don't want him to fight because he's fighting for like as a job he's not fighting because he wants to fight give him a pension Oh, isn't that funny? Yeah, <laughs> yeah get a fighters. Yeah. Because, man, th- I'm going to tell you something about like, the fighters and stuff. For me, it's heartbreaking when you find out that, like, you know, because that's a that's a hell of a choice to make with your life, mm-hmm. right? And because even if you're even if you're really really good, you may never make it to the top, right? And 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 to watch some of these people that have like sacrificed their bodies and their their wits and 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 they or they can't bend down and play right. with your kids and to just watch them struggling financially like or when it's over or to watch them taking those kind of fights where it's like it was over a long time ago but they can't yeah afford to stop do you think that they should set up a pension for fighters just automatically once they become part of the ufc like you take a percentage and maybe the ufc meets that percentage and they they set something aside for every fighter yeah it's got to be they've got because, they've got to like here's the thing People say, well, you should be able to plan your life out after fighting. Oh, yes. Agree. You're in charge of your own life. However, you really can't do a lot while you're fighting because it's so hard. The amount of training that's involved in, like, say, if you're a Henry Cejudo, who's not just an Olympic medalist, but a two-division champion in the UFC, just a fucking savage of a man. The way that guy trains, there's not a lot of time to start a business. There's not a lot of time to, you know, to, you know, get together a bunch of investors for a startup. Like, get the fuck out of here. That's not happening. And, and uh, whenever people are against, because I'm not just talking about fighting, too. I'm talking about football and basketball and all these other things. Whenever people are against the athletes, they always talk about the, they talk about the millionaires, like the top, top. Yeah. But most of the people in the UFC are not millionaires. Right. And they don't, you know, it's like maybe the top, top guys can can go into announcing or commentating or even start a podcast or whatever. But there's people, the vast majority of the roster, they, they don't have that option. Right. Well, you get you start making money when people are paying to see you. Yeah. That's the difference. And, and, you, and you don't even get points unless you're headlining or it's a championship, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, what percentage of the fighters are are, are the top of the card? I mean, it's, it's not... It's not realistic for you to expect everybody to have something else because you can't be the champ. You can't be going after a goal like that and have another thing. You can't. No, you can't. What I'm saying is like if you had a, a safety net. So if there's some sort of a pension that gave you a safety net. So at least when you got out, you had a year or two to figure out what you could do. And then you start reviewing your options. But you know yeah. that your bills are paid for a while. So you don't have to like immediately panic and try to figure your life out and there's the other problem that fighters have is that being a fighter is all it also becomes a part of like that that's a big part of their identity is that they're a fighter and so when they stop being a fighter mm-hmm. they don't they kind of don't know who they are for a while Shab talks about that you know that he kind of was still connected to this identity for a while he's completely abandoned it now and he's way happier but before it was a part of the way he was looking at it he was looking at himself like this is his identity yeah, I, I, I deal with I deal with a lot of with a lot of veterans too. Where it's like your identity is one thing, and now it's completely gone. Right. And how do you identify? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. That's tough to do with any that tra- make that lifestyle transition. Well, in both things, you know, obviously for different reasons, both things are insanely. Um, there's a lot of action. There's a lot happening. 
right? If you're a soldier, that's a, an incredibly intense job. If you're deployed in combat, yeah, I've never experienced it, but by all accounts, it is a wild, fucking, crazy experience to be in a gunfight. And then to go back to regular life, for some folks, is very hard. And some folks actually would rather be in action than they would yeah. be or at, at least, home. Or at least in theater. Yes, right. At least somewhere yeah. around it. And it's also there's a camaraderie that they experience with fellow soldiers that's missing from so much of our society. The, the, the intense bond that people have yeah. when they do things together like that. Like it's, you yeah. just have there's like you can't replace it. And it doesn't even have to be as intense as a as a gunfight. Like, no, no, I was not in no gunfights, you know, and I but if you suffer with someone else. Yeah. Suffering is how men bond anyway. You yeah. know, it's like if we su- if we suffer together and we make it through some bullshit, yeah, we're friends. Yeah, and, and we and it, it's forever. Like like it's at least it's very strong. Yeah, you know, there's a the, like to to this day I, I got I, I mean I served what 15 years ago, and to this day every year on the Marine Corps birthday we have like a group phone call and take a shot and like reminisce. That's nice. You know, and it's like yeah, th- and those are the only people from my past. Like those are the only friends from my past that aren't comedians like you don't get that shit if you used to work at xerox right you know what i'm saying exactly nobody's like bro we did the fucking time in xerox together <laughs> my brother right, yes right. to the end xerox it's like because it's always like hey remember that time we <laughs> remember that time we almost died yeah exactly yeah that's a whole other thing yeah there's things that like fight teams have similar sort of friendships and and rivalries and then when like it's like when guys are trained together then go on to hate each other my god they hate each other like more than like ex-wives, more than anybody. There's yeah, like because there's like a betrayal of that bond. Now yeah. that person's a traitor. Yeah. Now they have to suffer. That happens. Yeah. Guys, that's such a classic fucking trope in mankind. You know, the people are close, and then the person rejects the person that's close and lashes out at them, and then there's a fight and a, some sort of a struggle. The, the, the people's lack of ability to work things out is always pretty fucking yeah. astounding. Well, we had a guy in our group that. He to- he told everyone he was dying. Oh no! Yeah, and so we normally, you know, we you know we lose contact, we lose touch. We still get together, try to get together for the call. But this was the middle of the year, and he and he 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 told everyone he was dying, and so we everybody's connecting again. We all come together on this on this group chat and reminiscing and telling them we love him and all this other shit. And he was supposed to be doing like he was supposed to be. Uh, Doing the like state assisted suicide, like the, in Oregon, you can do that. Oh boy! Yeah, and so he, so we thought he was dying the next day. <laughs> you know, and and we were supposed to get c- contacted by his family to you know for arrangements and all that sort of shit. And so like two three weeks go by, <laughs> and and I keep on like, hey man, did you talk to such and such? Like, <laughs> like yeah, I just see, I just I just saw him on Facebook. Like what? So, you know, slowly everyone starts realizing he's still alive. And it's, it's weird to be upset that a friend of yours is not dead. But in this situation, it was like, what the fuck was all of that about? Like, it was all it was all bullshit. Do you talk about this on stage? No, not yet. You, you got some new material, my friend. You think so? Oh, fuck yeah. With your style of comedy, this is 100% a, a, a great bit. Yeah, am I? Am I, am I yeah. Bro, there's something, write that down. There's I'm, something very funny. I've never in, thought about to try it on stage. It's You have to. There's something very funny in someone pretending... <laughs> Pretending that they're gonna die, and then you wait, and they haven't died, and you're like, hey, "What the fuck?" And you actually get upset. Yeah, he he he's still alive. 
Do you know what I'm saying? What did he say was wrong? He he said that um it was it was something wrong. He said he had he had whatever the last stage of cancer is. Is it stage four? I think so. Yeah. yeah, he had stage four cancer in like his stomach or his pancreas or something, and it and it had already moved to his lymph nodes. So it was like inevitable. So that, none of that's true. Well, he's still alive. I mean, it was. He said it was terminal. How long ago? Which was is this? why the state would let him try to kill himself. Oh. So this was maybe this was. This was right before the lockdown. So this was like maybe January or February. He might have cancer. Sometimes they're wrong about that. Like sometimes they think someone's only going to last a month and they last a few years. Yeah, but here's the, but here's the thing though, Joe. You don't call all your no. friends and go, I'm dying, I'm dying to, tomorrow. I'm choosing to go out on my own terms. <laughs> I'm dying tomorrow. In fact, I'm drinking I'm drinking the the first part of the drink right now. I love y'all. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, the first part of the suicide drink? Right. So there's a two-piece, I think there's a two-piece drink. And then you do assisted suicide? No, no, no. That's, oh. that, that's what it is. That's oh, the you, suicide. I'm sorry. I'm getting confused with there's a pod that they do now. There's oh, a, in Oregon? You, no. Is that in Oregon? I think it's in like another Oh, you're country. talking about in Sweden or, or you Switzerland. That Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The suicide pod? Yeah, the thing they fucking got on Dr. Kevorkian about. The, well, they basically have like, does it, does it poison you? The pod poison you? Or is it like a place where you rot? Like it's built in. I think it just, doesn't it just replace? Doesn't it just replace the gases until you pass out? Is that what it does? Jeez. Yeah, I think I think so, I'm, but I don't know. It's a, it's the dying th- on purpose. The problem with that is that people kill people. That's the problem with that. It's like facts. You facts. know, that's the problem because but, if people wanted to just end their life, like if someone's in horrible agony and suffering, it's the last days of their life. They've lived a long life and they've been dying of this very painful disease. Who are we? To stop them from doing that. That's what I say. But, okay. Creative Suicide Pop wants you to make body implant that would kill you if you forget to deactivate <laughs> it. Oh my God, this guy's crazy. Holy shit. Like, you gotta solve, you gotta solve a puzzle to live? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny as shit. Well, you know, Kevorkian was really wild, too. He was a crazy person. Like, he wasn't just a guy who was uh, helping people. Assist. Um, he was also d- drawing really twisted images. So I was a kid when all of that happened. Do you ever see his artwork? No. When people saw his artwork, they were like, hold the fuck up. <laughs> like, because it wasn't as simple as, he's, he's a compassionate man, and he's helping these people, and I agree with all that, that you should be able to do that. You most certainly should be able to end your life if you're in agony, and why, I mean, why do we do that to dogs, and we won't do that to a loved one? The problem is that people kill people. Like, look at his his drawings. Oh, that's kind of dope. Yeah. So this one is like a demon or a, a soul clawing. I guess, I guess it's a person because look, those fingers are that their their fingers are shredded off down to the tips of the bone, and they're being dragged into this hellscape basement. And oh, it says uh, the doctor is in. That's kind of fire. The art of Doctor Kavorkian. <laughs> but oh. a lot of his stuff was like that. A lot of his stuff was like almost oh, like, like morbid. Di- like that. Oh wow. Like that. So here's one where there's a Roman where the guy has his head cut off on a plate with an apple in his mouth, and the Roman is like holding up the arm that uh, has a sword. So it's like uh, he's he's yeah, got so some twisted did, shit in there. Did, is that is that a like Jack in the Box fries cross? No, no, it's crosses in one bowl, and in the other bowl is bullets. Oh, okay, that's what's there. That's not just crosses. There's what also is it? stars and uh, the. Mm. Whatever that thing is. Though. Star of David? No, it's, it's not a triangle. Quite. Yeah, right. It's a triangle. What is that? Is it? That, that oh, that's a, a, a Nazi. That's that a Nazi cross not. too. That's just like a star. 
Oh, it is a Star of David. I see. It's the, got the part behind it that I'm yeah, confused on. And then look, the salt and pepper shakers are missiles. Yeah. But the the idea that this is the guy that's helping people kill themselves and his art is like a guy with his head cut off with an apple stuffed oh, in much, his mouth. How much did that say at the bottom? Uh, oh, is it for sale? No, the, yeah, the one we were just looking at. It's, was it, did nope. it say twelve hundred dollars? That one. Yeah. How much is that? Eleven hundred. Eleven hundred. Oh, that's not the original. Still, we should get one for the house. (laughs) 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 We should. We should definitely have one of those for the studio. Uh, Let's find one that's not too evil. Like here's some, but a lot of them were very evil looking. Like look at this. Wow. This uh, a a Chinese uh, the Communist Party band on this one guy's wrist, and the other guy's wrist is a Nazi band, and they're holding up a person's head. This like is he like, had some wild, dark shit. This is like cartoony. It's like this is like darker than Adult Swim. You ever see those psychedelic things Adult Swim does? Yeah. Now look at it's him like there. Evil. This is imagine this is the guy who says your grandmother wanted to die. She asked me to do it. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I'd rather your grandmother live forever. But let's be honest, no one's gonna live forever, Brian. Is that how he sounded? I don't know. How oh. he sounded. But I mean, his art freaked me out. His art changed the way I thought about his whole pursuit. Like this pursuit that he has of helping people kill themselves. Not that I think it's a bad thing. I don't. But I started thinking about him like, oh, well, what kind of yeah. guy does that? I mean, especially in the 90s, of course, people, this, this, this definitely, because he could got convicted, right? <sighs> yeah, I think he went to jail for it. Where he ironically didn't kill himself. <laughs> that is you know? kind of ironic. You put your money That's where your good- mouth is, bro. <laughs> I think he uh, wanted to get out. And he wanted to keep arguing that uh, this was a... Uh, I'm all about it. I mean, people die anyway. Like, I, I just read some shit the other day where more people die in hospitals than on, than, than on, than on airlines. Well, like, you're that... more likely to die at the... You're more likely to die if you go to the hospital healthy than you are in, to die in a plane crash. Well, what does that mean, healthy? If you're healthy, why are you at the hospital? No, I mean, if you're, no, I mean, if you're not going in there for something that's already killing you. like Okay. So, like, maybe infections? Like, not an emergency room situation. So, by, you mean, do you mean accidents? Or do you mean, like, like yeah, people from, make from mistakes? Like, from, like, medical malpractice and shit like that. Yeah, mistakes. There's definitely a lot of that. You know, there's also a lot of doctors that are really overworked, you know? Like, when they're in their residency. There's a lot of doctors are psychopaths, too. You think so? Oh, yeah. Dear, there's a book called... Um, Oh, God, what is it? Dead Doctors? Fuck, what is the name of the book? If you have any friends that are like surgeons or anything. Dead Doctors Don't Lie? Is that it? Joel Wallach? Um, It's, the book is basically about... No way you know that. Yeah. God damn. So the the, the book is about minerals, mostly. It's about mineral um, supplementation and how important it is because we do it for livestock, but we don't do it with humans. And so he r- rattles off a list of all these different conditions that are caused by mineral deficiencies. And how many of us has, have minerally deficient diets because the topsoil of American farmlands has been minerally deficient for a long fucking time. They, in a lot of places, they have to supplement it. So the poor different kinds of fertilizers and different things on the topsoil to help it grow food in it. But you, you're not supposed to grow corn in the same spot year after year for fucking decades. It's just not... It's not wise. It's not how the world works. The world doesn't work on monocrops. The world works on ecosystems where all the plants and all the animals, the animals shit and the, the plants drop their fruit and all of it works together. And it's supposed to be all, it's all, it all switch up. Exactly. But uh, these monocrop agriculture places where they, they, what was my point? What, 
what the fuck was my point? We were just we we're talking about more likely to die in a hospital. Oh, middle malpractice. Joel Wallach. That's yeah. right. So Joel, that's I was like, God, I went circular with this. Joel Wallach's book. One of the things it was about how many doctors die of overdoses. They prescribe themselves cocaine, and they're supposed to do a, a fucking. Uh, this he was talking about guys who were supposed to do surgeries, and they'd find them dead in a storage room because they shot up and overdosed. Like they can get a hold of drugs, and a lot of them they use drugs to stay awake, and they use drugs to go to sleep. And they're a lot of them are just they're just people just like, you know, if you get a hundred people in a room One of them's gonna have a problem with pills, oh, right? Yeah. You get a hundred. There's a million doctors and it's so it's so easy to go from I can totally handle this to yes My shit's out of control. So what he was basically saying is that most doctors especially general practitioners have very little knowledge when it comes to Nutrition and what's the latest science it was like even the people that are at the top of the food chain when it, No pun intended when it comes to nutrition, they have debates over what's the proper diet or what's the healthiest way to do it. Should you do this way or that way? Should you fast or not fast? There's a lot of debate when it comes to that stuff. So these are amongst the people that are studying it. They're like, this is honest experts trying to figure out what's correct. The average doctor spends about eight hours on nutrition, apparently. That's what I've read in med school. Yeah, they don't know shit. Unless you're studying that as a specialty, that's not what you focus on. So when they start talking about like the body, they're talking about like what's wrong and uh, how, can they fix it if they're a surgeon or they can they give you a drug if they're not a surgeon? Like what is or can I s send you to someone who's going to fix it? Like what what's wrong with you? Not how did it get there? Not what's wrong with your body that this is happening? Not like what's your nutrition like? What's the what's the vitamin and nutrient balance of your blood? Let's look at your hormone profile let's let's see if you're metabolically healthy they don't do that let me ask you something. that's this book this book is basically about that talking about supplementation do, do you think that if we were if we if we were a healthier society that we would be that it would necessarily be better like an overall effect on society yes yes when people are healthier they're nicer when people are healthier they're more productive when people are healthier they contribute when he, people are healthier they feel better if you get a group of friends and I, get, I hate to simplify this again but if you get a group of 10 friends and all those 10 friends eat well and they exercise and they're, they they meditate and they try to keep their shit together and they do their best to be a good person every day you got a good group of people that's great yeah but you got to think of the entire country as a giant group of people the more we can have people like that that are living healthy just trying to be nice just trying to do their thing the more we have a better country. Just like if you have five friends that have their shit together and they're really cool and they're real friendly and they're real happy for you and they're supportive, and then you have one who's just a selfish, crazy person. All my fat friends are sneaky fucks. <laughs> Every single, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. They're all untrustworthy. No, ah! no you're right. I, um, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, when I, when I feel healthier, yeah, I, I this is it, yeah, I'm nicer. Better for you. It's yeah. Yeah, you're functioning better. I mean, you can get by. Then, but the, also, there's certain brilliance to unhealthiness. There's certain people that don't give a fuck about their health, and they're indulgent, and they they smoke a lot, and they drink a lot, and they do coke, and they get wild, and they say funny fucking shit. They're really good yeah. comics. They're really good comics, they're and they high. work hard at it. They're high all the time. They work hard at it because there is a, there is a balance, right? Because you know, you can't be like you got to have your days where you just indulge, right? I think I think for an entertainer, you got to understand like wild fun. You got to understand like real laughs. 
you got to understand freedom, the freedom of like being yourself around your friends and you're all just laughing and talking mad shit to each other. Like yeah. that helps us. It's the best. It's the best. But I mean, it helps yeah. us. Like when we have these green room sessions, we're all fucking around talking shit about each other. It the, that yeah. helps everybody. It's it makes you so happy. It's so fun. Because a comic's about to, a comic is about to say the funniest shit <laughs> when they go, "I love the guy to death, but but <laughs> <laughs> but boom." <laughs> Yeah, whenever somebody yeah. stops me, you go, bro, I love you to death, but, but they about to fucking burn you I'm good. not saying that you can't do that if you're sober. You certainly can, but I'm saying that there's a lot of funny shit that's been said while people are drunk. And to discount that seems silly to me. I think it's all about a big picture approach. And for me, like, uh, I am, uh, obviously, I work out a lot. I, it's a big part of my life. I work out every day, almost. I do something. You know, and yeah. I, I, I try to keep myself healthy because I know I have this commitment to it. But I like to get high. I like to get have a couple whiskeys in me. I like to go on stage just a little high, talk some shit. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's a part of what makes the art form fun. And I think there's something that comes out of those states of mind that you get to. You can get there on your own. I've had some great yeah. shows with completely sober. Yeah. But I think there's something about comedy that lends itself to altered states of consciousness. What I'm when I'm killing, because you know that feeling, because mm. obviously I think people throw that shit around too much, but ki mm. killing isn't something that happens every day. Even the best don't just, you know what I'm talking about, just destroy. Yeah. That feeling, that only happens when you're having fun and when you're in another, when you're in the zone. When yes. You're, when you're in a state of conscious, when you're fearless and having fun. Yes. And sometimes you, you know, you find a way to you find a way to cheat your way there. You get a little, little cocaine. Yeah, yeah, a little something, a little yeah. something, something. The problem was when people like overdo it. They go too far. They get too drunk. They get too high, and they they just they, they get the balance wrong, you know. And yeah. that's it's tricky because there's no one to tell you, right? Like there's no getting drunk and getting high is a lot like doing comedy, and the, no one teaches you how to do it, especially. Especially the real talented dudes, because a lot of times what happens is, because I have friends like this, where it's like they're so talented that they'll get a third, fourth, fifth chance at, the, mm. at a bite at the apple. You know what I mean? Where right. it's like, where it's like, right. what did you do? You came to the, you came to set drunk and cursed out the uh, right. the executive, and they, and they go to rehab or something, and they go, but he's so fucking funny. Let's just that's the Robert Downey Juniors of the world, exactly. But yeah. he he cashed in on his comeback. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. well, he's a different human now. Yeah. He's a fascinating human. Um, I really like him. You ever had him on? Yeah, I've had him on. I've had conversations with him, like in real world conversations. I like him a lot. He's a very smart person, and he's a guy who turned his life around. He realized he had a, a serious addiction problem, and you know that could happen to anybody. But that's what was wrong with a lot of these stars is that to them it's like a PR move. They In fuck, way, they yeah. fuck up, and then they go yeah. away for like two months. Yeah, and they come back. I'm, I'm, I'm renewed. But he just he disappeared to the point where people stopped talking about him. Yeah, and then well, he, he went to jail. And then he came back. And then, then he was in jail. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, Robert Downey Jr. was in jail. And then, and then, so he got out of jail, and then got the Iron Man role. He got out of jail and just lit the fucking world on fire. Yeah, because he, he smoked that Iron Man. Bro. He smokes everything. Yeah, he's an animal. He's an animal. He's so focused, but he you believe him as Tony Stark. You yeah. believe he's smarter than everybody, because like even the way he talks to like uh, Bruce Banner. Like he realizes Bruce Banner is just as smart as him. It's like a level of understanding that they have with each other. You know, like we, when he talks to Banner, he realizes like, oh, this guy's like a genius too. 
Yeah, so like I, the the role he plays is 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 so smooth. Like you believe him. It couldn't have been anybody. Like no. now there can't be another Iron Man. No, no fucking chance. You could sw- switch your Spider Mans all day long. You want to switch your Spider Mans? <laughs> yeah. Okay, you can't switch the Iron Man. Not anymore. No, uh, uh-uh. uh, mm-hmm. he owns that now. Well, they're de- they're going through that debate right now with uh with Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, that's a hard one. Because they're like, do you? That's do, a hard one. Do you reek? Because they were saying he would want them to recast it. I think he would because it fought, he fought so hard to have Black Panther made. Right. That was a that was a series that they were trying to make that for over a decade. It was a long, long time coming before they ever actually got that made. And it was this massive success. And then have it be a massive success with him and Michael B. Jordan in the lead roles and as the villain role. It was, yeah. It was amazing. Oh, it was good. It's a fucking amazing superhero movie. And historically, it's a very important superhero movie. Yeah, because right? there's always like this attitude to like... That a black-led movie won't do well overseas. It's almost entirely black. Yeah, I mean all the heroes, all the villains, like so much of the cast, so much of the village, so much of so much of what drives mm-hmm. a story. Yeah, there was like maybe like three white guys in the movie that were yeah. like integral. Yeah, they were cool though. Yeah, you know, I mean but it's, it's like it, it doesn't have to. I mean it's like the point is, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like what I always say with a... Now with, it doesn't, yeah. Well, it's like if you just have it good, people want to see good. Yeah. They just want to see good. If it, it doesn't matter if it's all white people or all black people or all women, as long as it's good. And the beautiful thing about that was it was all black people and it was good. Yeah. And it was a huge success. And yeah. so it makes having me... it be... His feeling, I'm sure, would be he would probably want it to go on. But who would want to take that spot? I had to, I had to I had to see the first one twice because I missed the first eleven minutes because I'm one of my bitch ass roommates. Damn. Yeah. That's I the I, worst. Can, I you can't walk stand into a movie and it's already going. I don't like being late. I'm 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 almost mm. always early. Yeah. If not on time, and what ha- and and especially these situations where because you know there's people that don't give a fuck about being on time. This is one of my pet peeves, and I was ready to leave on time, and then this motherfucker invited himself. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. And then he was late. And then invited everybody else. Right. And and, and I was going to walk, but he's going to drive. So he's like, well, we don't have to leave right now if we're going to drive. And, and then he made us fucking late. And, and the whole way people are making you late, they start talking about the previews. Oh, well, it's preview. Shut the fuck up. I, maybe I want to see those too. I want to see the last preview and the movie start. I want to see the beginning. So anyway, I got robbed of that. I, I love when again. people watch superhero movies and they try to say it's unrealistic. Like, where is that city? How is it hidden? What are you talking? <laughs> how, co- how come nobody knows about it? How did they develop all this technology? They just decided, like, shut the fuck up. What is uh, Does Iron Man make sense? How about Batman? Nothing. Batman's a rich guy. That's it, all he is. He's dressed as a bat. He's like, a rich guy. I, I, I don't see. I'm one of those people. I don't have a problem doing stuff by myself in public. I'll go to the movies alone. I'll go to the movies alone on the road. Oh, yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah, if I'm on the road. Nah, even if I'm here. I'm like, it's a select group I can watch a movie with. But if you have a middle act that you like, don't you want to take them to the movies with no. you? Wow. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just now, well, well, okay, well, let me rephrase that. I'm just now getting to the point where I can decide who the middle act is in my career. Oh, okay, okay. But I, but I. But, but for the longest time, you just like If the you're with guys. me on the road, it's because you're funny. Right. It don't mean I like being around you. Or that even, I understand. Or, or it, it means that I don't, I, I don't hate being around you. Right, right, But right. we don't got to do everything together. Right. You know? No. Who who could replace Chadwick Boseman? <sighs> who would even be in consideration? It would, have like to it would have to be someone young. It would have to be an unknown. Ooh. 
It would have to be someone because I think that's what he. I think because I think the reason his family saying that's what he would want because he was all about that, like giving young black actors a shot, like new people you haven't yeah. heard of and bringing them in. And so, but I think Disney decided to go the other way. What are they going to do? They're going. They're going to uh, kill him off and have someone else take up the mantle and become the new, like have someone that's already in the movie. Oh, like, really? Like yeah. Oh. Hmm. And I hope they don't fuck it up. I don't know, man. But the fan base. When you dealing with these comic books, yeah, it's like because I've seen them flip flop. I've seen them like the, like they do some shit. Remember the the Sonic movie a couple years ago? Yes, and they released one picture, and people thought the Sonic looked ridiculous, and they changed the and whole movie. They reanimated the whole fucking movie. Well, it did look odd. It did a little too TV, it but it's like right? not enough to reanimate the movie though. Well, think put that think out. about how many Batman's there have been. Nobody gives a fuck. Isn't that wild? Like there's mm. been so many Batman's from Adam West. To um, uh, the comic Beetlejuice, fuck's his name. You know what I'm talking about Michael Keaton. Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Yeah, Thank Michael you, Keaton. Michael Keaton. Um, uh, George Clooney was Batman for Val a little bit. Kilmer. Val Kilmer was a great Batman. Um, Dagon, um, who's the look at all them Batmans? Christian Bale. Christian Bale yeah, was Christian the best. Bale. He Christian was the Bale best was Batman. Awesome. But was, they're all ridiculous. Well, Christian Bale was the best Batman and the worst Bruce Wayne. Oh, they, they don't have uh, Homeboy in this. Ben Affleck. Yeah. He's the new Batman. But uh, it's like that's the thing. It's like well, he does. He work. plays Batman and he gets hate. Like if Ben Affleck just plays some regular dude in a good movie, go. nobody gets hate. Robin Pattinson's right? a new one too. The guy. Oh, from, Robin uh, Pattinson. He. I bet he could pull it off. Yeah, but also too, when, and when when people die, it's the it's a whole other thing. Like it's a whole you, other thing. Like you yeah. can't. Because um, I remember like Jay Z used to say this in a in a in a in a freestyle one time. But like he's always being compared to Biggie. You know. And he, he's like, how I'm supposed to win when you got me fighting ghosts? Ooh, yeah. that was a cold. That was a cold line. Yeah. But he, but but it's like that. It's like you can't, you can't say you're better than the dead guy. Never. And it's the people that's gonna never let you be better, no matter what you do. That happens in every sport. It happens yeah. in everything when you pat. Like that's hap- That's one of the things that happened to Larry Holmes when Larry Holmes surpassed Muhammad Ali when he was the next heavyweight champion. Everybody hated him because he uh. beat up Ali, and he never got his due. Wow. It was like one of the best heavyweights of all time. Larry Holmes had one of the best jabs that has ever been seen in the heavyweight division. He was phenomenal in his prime. Was it? Didn't he fight Mike? He did. He, he fought when Mike. He was old his, and yeah, he came out of retirement to fight Mike. I believe he was thirty six, but it was like a real thirty six, like thirty six in nineteen eighty five or whatever it was. Which is like fifty. Nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, it's a different different time. They were really thirty six back then. You know, like there's guys like Bernard Hopkins that fight deep into his 40s. Like in, I think he, his last fight was like he was 50 years old when he fought Joseph Smith. Yeah, this this is one of my Yeah, this was tough, man. But in the second round, Mike Tyson, uh, or Larry Holmes rather, gave Mike Tyson a lot of trouble with his jab. The second round, okay, watch this. Because in the second round, Larry Holmes came out and he was popping the jab. Okay, this is in the beginning of this round. He gave him a lot of trouble with that long jab. Larry Holmes in his prime had a fucking phenomenal jab. And when he beat guys up with that jab, like a J- Jerry Cooney fight's a great example. He was a, a, a sniper. He was one of the, like absolutely one of the best heavyweights of all time. So what round is this, Jamie? I actually, want, I don't know. It's like a highlight. It's oh, it's a highlight. Like so I it's saw, not all I, of them. I clicked on two, and it seems to. But Mike Tyson, at this time, could not be denied. He was a destroyer. Dude, he was so scary. He was a destroyer. He but was you, so much faster than everybody, and he was just trying to get close enough to you to unleash hell. You know, you ever you ever notice how like because I don't I don't you don't see too much of this anymore, but like 
I, I remember when I was I was little and Mike was the man, but there was always like these old dudes that just hated him for being so good. Somebody needs to teach this young punk a lesson. Look at that head movement, man. When when do you ever recall a heavyweight having head movement like that? Like Mike's head movement was superb. It wasn't just his power. It wasn't like just back that up just a little bit, Jamie. Just a little bit from where we were, so I could see him move his head. What is this fucking head movement, man? No, it's before that. Go before that, because there was a series like right here. Look at this series of move. Look at this, man. This head movement was phenomenal. Larry Holmes is flicking that jab. Mike Tyson is meeting him with his own jab, and he's so hard to hit. That was part of the thing that people forgot about with Tyson was how elusive he was in his prime when he had all that crazy wild head movement. So it wasn't just that he got close to you and smashed you. It was that as he's getting close, you can't keep him off you. You can't hit him. His yeah. head movement was fucking superb. They call, what they call the peekaboo? Yeah, peekaboo uh, style. But it was a lot of bobbing and weaving because, you know, he was shorter than a lot of these guys. So there's a lot. Look at that head movement. Phenomenal. And just stays on you. And he could do that all night. And he kept his power deep into a fight. Mike Tyson was a terrifying force of nature when he was the champ. When he was at the top of the heap, he was different than any heavyweight that ever came before him. He was fast as Joe Lewis and Muhammad Ali, but hit like Sonny Liston. I mean, he, he had everything. Can you imagine being that young? 20! And that... We're like, we're like, just with that kind of comments, like, nobody out here can really stop me from doing anything. Anything. No matter what. He was 20 years old. 20 years old, and he was the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah, man. And when he was just standing there, it was like it was destiny. He was standing there like it was destiny. Like, like we all knew it was going to happen. 